This is Mr. Binge's ADD Experience Live. Today, we've got a guest on, as we do most every week. It, his name is Al, and I'm not going to pronounce his name yet because I want to make sure I get it right for the actual recording. So we've got Al on uh, and a few AR developer, um, Dune reader, interesting futuristic mind, um, overlaps into the art realm a little bit. But this is all about art, design, and development, and he hits all three of those marks. So we're going to have him on in a bit. Stay on for that. Get your questions ready. We might get into some interesting and heady space in this one. So I hope you definitely stay tuned for it. And in fact, I'm, I'm like five minutes off right now because of the notes that I was getting together for this one. Um, they kind of go in, a, in several different directions. But if you've ever gotten into a computer simulation, AR, technology, interactive gameplay, gaming type of situation, then with me, in one of the discussions with me, then you know how, I, how much I enjoy these. So we're going to get into it with Al, and he'll be, he's actually a professional in this space. Um, I used to be a professional in that space until... I was like, screw it. But we may have an interesting story that actually overlaps, which is kind of funny. And if it is, um, I'll be I'll be actually kind of intrigued by that. So what we generally do during these is um as you know, this is a ADD experience, art design and development, where we're trying to give you a overview of um an overview of uh, a topic, uh, a vibe, um, a social construct about around creativity. And I think that everybody is a creative and we all create things in different ways and we all are collectively creating things. So when I get on these, I want to make sure that we're, we're looking at it from the lens of our personal creativity and what we can do and what we can build and the future that we can make. And hopefully we'll make it entertaining. Hopefully we'll make it better for ourselves. And hopefully we just keep building that, that nice, sweet, better future that we're talking about. And it doesn't turn into some crazy dystopian nightmare. So uh, if you have questions for Al, be sure to get those on. And, and we'll definitely be talking about the simulation and video gaming as well. And remember, if you do have any questions about this, the podcast, or anything we're doing, make sure that you um, like and comment, not just to the live, because those only show up during the live. Afterwards, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're seeing it on IGTV later, make sure you comment. We'll get back with you. We do actually like to make a connection on these types of things. So that, uh, that all helps out in terms of... Um, in terms of building this little community, the discussions we're trying to accommodate. I know discussions on Instagram might not be the best way to go, but we're trying to make it happen with Instagram. Sending a quick message real quick. Boom, bada bing. There that goes. Let's go live right now and just go ahead and get straight into this. This is... Hey! 
Hey, what's going on? What's going on now? I can't believe this is okay. I can't believe I can't. Uh, I can sort of believe that our first conversation is all Hollywood like this. Uh, Instagram <laughs> live, interviewed and sets and shit. Uh, but this is our first conversation. I need like 10, 20 seconds to fan out for a little bit because I feel like I know you from seeing your podcast mm-hmm. base and talking and that's I forget there's a psychological official name for it, but I feel like I know you. We've had conversations in my head, um, and I'm, I'm, I don't think the feeling is mutual. <laughs> no, you know what? That that makes a lot of sense. It's like um, this, in, this, you know, internet kind of familiarity where it's like you talk to somebody in a certain aspect or a certain uh, plane of existence or whatever, and yeah. suddenly it's like, wait a minute, how do we actually connect or whatever? It's yeah, it's, it's a very funny and weird thing. Well, listen, I feel like I've had like text conversations from you and me and watching you do video live and then they mesh together in my head into this sort of multiverse, metaverse, I don't know, whatever you want. No, totally, totally they do. Now, before we, before we jump in, I want to make sure I get your, your name correct. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, it's Al, uh, A-L, just one vowel. That's it. But that's probably not the part you meant. <laughs> ah, right. Yes. Uh, it's a boot. Um, a boot. Okay. So I had it right. I had it right. Yeah. It's, um, I didn't start really saying it that way until I moved to San Francisco. I think that's the Canadian influence, like going a little norther. Uh, now that I'm back in San Diego, I get in Southern California, I get more of like the question marks. Uh, the, the, there's a, several different ways to say it. If I have any fellow Turkish friends that watch this later, um, the full official way is Agpaj Abut. Um, and that quickly became like when I came here, when I was three, like, what's your name? iPad. What's your name? iPad. Okay. It's Al. <laughs> uh, how, how do you, how do you spell that? Not the Al, the I. A L P E R. iPad. Oh, iPad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, pretty good for a first try. That's. A- you know, I, I try to get it, um, get it correct. Just people's names in general. I want to have the, I want to have the name right, and I know that means a lot to me. Uh, hopefully, the person I'm talking to. And see, this is what happens when you're on live. You lose people. Weird things happen. Um. So yeah, well, we'll get loud back on in a second. Uh, as he was saying. We have met over the internet, and this is totally into our discussion about how we met and how we talk and how we just develop as as uh, as people over the internet now. It's very bizarre how this all comes together, but it's where we are right now. And sorry, <laughs> there was the, you're more popular than I thought. I was trying to get rid of those comments on the bottom and I accidentally killed my own feed. So I'm, I'm just going to oh, okay. ignore my own face. I guess. <laughs> newbie, newbie live. Like, as I was saying when I joined, but I appreciate the effort in trying to get my name right. Um, um, it's, it's one of those things where I don't know if you can relate, but like different names sort of mean different identities, like what, who I am with like my family or with mm-hmm. friends or work. And I didn't really intend for it to be that way. It just kind of developed. And I, I don't know if it's a middle-aged thing, but I'm comfortable with all of those being okay. me, you know, yeah. instead of the correct me or whatever. Now, really quickly, you said uh, 
back to San Diego. I only knew you as being from San Diego. So, so you were in San Diego and you left, uh, where'd you go? To San Francisco. Uh, okay. Like, I was in the Bay Area. Years. I was in the Bay Area from 2000 to 2003. Um, that was my first video game experience. I was working with the 3DO company. And you were there for 15 years, though. So uh, from 2005. So we just missed each other. But okay. um, you get I, I like to tell people I was there during the hard times. But really, honestly, I was there when it was just starting to recover. You were really there in the, you know, sort of dust bowl, you know, recovery period or maybe even like pre crash, like into the crash and then back or. um. You know, uh, I wouldn't say pre-crash as far as me and my associates were concerned. We were in the video game industry making a lot of awesome things. And um, Google was not too far from us. And, you know, the whole scene in the area was just blowing my mind. Um, So we would go out to bars and be talking to somebody. It's like, yeah, you know. I used to live down in Palo Alto and those blah, 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 Alto, you know, I knew some guys from Apple and I'm just yeah. there like, well, really? You know, that's yeah. kind of surreal to me at the time, but yeah. the video game thing was just pumping along with the PlayStation 2. Um, you know, the PlayStation was just kind of uh, not falling off, but ending its life cycle and PlayStation 2 was kicking up. So as far as we were concerned, and my head was down in that, as far as we were concerned, it was just booming and bubbling and life was good. Um, oh, man. So that's awesome. That's how that's it was, bro. So cool. Like, because I, I can relate to that from 2005 on. Um, and not to sound too insensitive, but tech has felt like, like it, it, just within its own bubble. Like, what, the way they talk about bubbles there because they're so afraid of that crash from 99. It was right. so epic. That it's like overcorrected, and now it's like there there almost is nothing but boom times. Um, but that era, you were there. Um, I was honing my craft. UCSD is what I like to call it because okay. truthfully, the, the economy had cratered. Um, it was we were affected in tech because it was the dot com crash before there were startups and you know other names for this kind of yeah. thing. It, it was dot com, and it was so bad that no one was hiring. That I when I left UCSD or graduated UCSD. Um, I just stayed at UCSD. They turned my student job into a full-time job. I got paid nothing. I got paid less than a mailman at like, I don't know, 20 grand a year or something less. Like, like, and I was so happy. I, I, I was like, I treated like grad school, my own personal grad school. Yeah. They didn't have diplomas in this kind of stuff. They didn't have, you know, graduate schools. Uh, they, so I, yeah, I just learned all on the job. You say this kind of stuff. What, what were you working on? Oh, <laughs> Hey, okay. I guess I should give like an intro. Uh, oh, oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Intro time. We'll do that now. Okay. I've got like a, a short and a long one. Uh, the the long one um, also explains how you and I met. Uh, well, the, we'll, do the, we'll do the short. We'll do the short yeah. one and ah. naturally bring in the other elements as necessary. Yeah. I, I think everything I have to say is probably the long version. And so I'm thinking like I think this may be the only short version of anything. <laughs> but. The super short version is basically, uh, yeah, I work in startups. Uh, I've been in tech for about 20 years. Um, I started out as a developer and now I'm a designer. And uh, it just feels really natural. I've been programming since I was six. My mom's an artist. My dad's an engineer. Like, bada boom, put it all together. And, you know, it, it, even though they didn't have, you know, diplomas for this kind of thing or school or whatever, and I was all self-taught um, from college on, up until college, like, I went to, like, special computer schools. 
I went to a really unique school that was um, a school in the 80s and 90s for like nerds of color. And it was like the only, com- uh, uh, you know, high school in San Diego with like its own mainframe and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I have like sort of a, a long history with art and engineering and merging them together. And that's basically now what I've been doing for a good I think over just over twenty years. Okay, yeah. so so you're at this high school. That's this weird hybrid. Yeah. Um. You know, for students of color, um, and it's giving you that tech kind of launching pad, I guess. And then you end up at UCSD. So you're a student worker there at UCSD. Yeah. So the long version is, I didn't know I was a techie getting into okay. college. Up until co- I did basically. This might sound funny now because tech is in so much of our lives and it is almost like its own industry. But tech was like a hobbyist thing for for a majority of people around the world for a long time. Um, yeah. And that's what it was for me. I just I just enjoyed it as I didn't think of it as a career light bulb um, uh, until well into college and going into college my whole life. I thought I'd be a scientist. I was um, yeah. Going to UCSD to study neuroscience, I worked in a neuroscience lab. It was the number one school in the world for neuroscience. Like it, I I met um, um, uh, Francis Crick, discoverer of DNA. I met Jonas Salt, uh, you know, cure polio. Nice. nice. It was that's that was my thing. That was my scene. UCSD was like the top gun of biology, and I was I was loving it. Mm-hmm. I thought, and then I got there and started working there and going to school there, doing all of it, and I just had this huge crisis of like I don't know why, but it's not for me. Um, but I went through this two year, like lost in the wilderness years where I dropped out of school and I tried everything, including theater where I met Andy Lowe, our, our common friend. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. so th- this is after you completed, um, no, you, you dropped out of school. You were- I dropped out yes. two years okay. and I, I tried everything. I, I tried going pro as a soccer player, Turkey. I, um, um, I worked in an investment bank. Um, I, I folded clothes at uh well, jesus Christ, some department store um i just tried everything like i i just i i i filled up my i knew i'd eventually go back for my last year to get my diploma so i just filled it up with like community college requirements i got a dig yeah. to like um black studies and women's studies classes there's this one awesome teacher she was a rock star sure sure um i just did all i just did whatever i could think of. i had my first year's girlfriend like yeah it was it was a crazy time this sounds very california by the way <laughs> uh you know i i feel very uh hybrid in a lot of things i feel very californian and also very like worldly i feel mm-hmm. very like techie but also very very not um yeah i but i realize now um when I see these kids and they're on this linear path and like getting into tech has become just as much of a ladder as like I felt pre-med was for me. And yes. uh, I feel bad for him because. Oh, yeah. Pre-med. Oh, pre-med neuroscience. I left that out. I actually wanted to be, there's MD, PhD programs where um, you could basically become a research scientist and a doctor at the same time. I had this whole path in my life. I see. Like, I see. Out. Okay. No. So, yeah. so I was wondering, like um, you said tech as a hobby. So I didn't know if you switched over and were like, okay, Tech is hobby, but I'm going to try out computer engineering yeah. or something like that. But yeah, pre-med neuroscience kind of deal. Yeah. And by the way, uh, I'm happy to say this. Uh, my friend Robbie Jay is watching live here. He's one of my inspirations. I love this guy. We don't talk nearly enough. But um, he, when I talk about going through hard times, he went, through, he went to the same high school as me. He went to the same college as me. And he went through hard times as well. But he flowered even more. He finished his science degree and he dances yeah. and he does everything. So. 
Shout out to Robin J for watching. Uh, I love seeing my old my old high school buddies here. Uh, awesome. So yeah, uh, if you if uh, if any of you have questions, um, be sure to drop. There's a little question button actually on here. So if comments go and they fly by, um, I may not see your question. But if you drop it in a little question box, I can actually come back to it later. So just a note for those watching. Look at, look at you with your Instagram pro action here. How many interviews have you done? I feel like I want to interview you, but how many interviews have you done? Um, interviews slash discussions. I don't call them interviews because I don't really want to interview anybody. You know, like, where are you from? Da, da, da. I, I want to have creative discussions. Um, how many have I done? Uh, for this, for this session, for this series, I've done, say, 15, 16, 20. I don't know. Uh, but that's for this format yeah. kind of setup. Yeah. I've been doing podcasting since like 2009 in, yeah. in some form or fashion. And I remember ha having to actually, you know, there was no, uh, Libsyn was just becoming a thing. Um, I don't know what that is. it's a podcasting platform where you just kind oh, of okay. upload stuff and it gets meta tag data and all that oh, okay. all sorted out. Uh, Wait. but I started back in, uh, where it was just like us sitting around talking and one of my friends, Raphael, um, who did a great one. I'll, I'll have it all linked up soon. Um, okay. Still getting all that together. But we had a great discussion. We're having great discussions all the time. And he said, we should record this. And I said, hell yeah. Nice. And it all started out of the San Diego Comic-Con kind of vibe because yeah. we would all get together, talk about stuff, record things, laugh, and it just became an after work kind of thing, whether we went to Olive Garden, uh, Soup Plantation. Thanks, Josh, <laughs> for putting me on that bullshit. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Hooters, uh, the mall, that yeah. pizza place down in Oceanside. You know, there were a lot of these. Uh, pizza Port. Pizza Port. Mm -hmm. we would, yes, there as well. There as well in, um, in Carlsbad. Yes. Yeah, that's good shit. So, oh, wow, man. I have so many questions for you. You know I'm launching a podcast in January. It's my first, and I'm so nervous. Don't be nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even the like, full producer. My my friend Joseph's doing it, and I'm like, mm. oh, jeez, this, this sounds crazy. So, you know, it's it's just so easy for uh, to, to jump into this stuff, especially for somebody who's actually, you know, been in tech, uh, yeah. who understands it, who develops apps or whatever. It's... You know, all the prep they say for setting up a podcast is for people who are like app developers who don't jump and got it. So like for the, for this particular Instagram format, I've been doing, I've been recording every night for about 120 days. And that's oh, it's every day. I thought it was like weekly. Weekly is when I have discussions with people. Oh, uh, okay. Damn, dude. Yeah. You are, I, got, I do have to admit, like, once you get past the tool fascination and the sort of, like, gadget sort of gimmicky, you know, um, you know, uh, gadget lust that, like, techies inherently have, like, it really is about consistency and in interviews and conversation and that kind of thing, like, which is totally my, my weak point. But that's why for this thing, um, my friend brought me in. He's the one, my friend Joseph Leo. He's been podcasting about as long as you have um i think his first podcast first podcast was like 2006 and that's how we met yeah um but i i i definitely yeah i i i have so many questions about podcasting for you and i feel like i could learn but it's not my show so take it away <laughs> yeah no um <laughs> podcast podcasting is great and it's actually um one of the pieces of 
interconnectivity, and this is how I'm going to swing it back into everything. Okay. Over. Podcasting is an excellent topic. Um, I wanted to do this because I felt that where we were in this Instagram show and tell kind of tweet and like kind of thing, uh, Facebook comments and reactions kind of world that we were starting to lose touch with the communication aspect. Mm. I don't know if we remember when Facebook first came out, um, you know, we had Flickr and people would actually go to other people's Flickr pages and suddenly Facebook came out. And that's where I found your picture, by the way. I was just going to say, like, you, you're probably the first of five years to use <laughs> Flickr for anything. And I was going to wonder how you got to it. I, was, I wanted to track back to it. But um, yeah, I, this is when Flickr was a thing. Yeah. So you see, it, it was a thing and we were just sharing pictures and it was more of a the whole the whole like number of fans followers that hadn't come into play as much yet so yeah I, what i what i remembered about getting involved with facebook was really actually connecting with people i would show pictures of my friend and now that it wasn't on my Flickr account and it was on my facebook account i'd have my auntie and my cousin saying oh my gosh i've been looking for this picture comment and it became yeah. this awesome thing suddenly it, it it became, you know, the marketer showed up, the uh, the meme head showed up, the bot showed yeah. up, and yeah. it started to transform into something different. So I said, let me get back on Instagram. Let me become, because I, I really wasn't using Instagram a lot. I said, let me become a front-facing person where it literally is about me as a person dealing with other people. And it's not where I come from. It's not where my comfort zone really is. But I like the aspect of being able to talk to people and relive those conversations that I used to have during Comic-Con, during any events, during the Electronic Entertainment Expo, during our bullshit sessions after work at Rockstar Games. And speaking of which, like in San Diego, those types of discussions led me to meeting somebody named Aubrey Miller, who I had on. And, you know, she was doing like the nerd core scene and she introduced me to some other people um, because we had a shared love of video games. And she introduced me to those people at the 10th Avenue Theater down in San Diego. And it was GamerCon. And that's where I met Andy. Nice. Nice. For those of you, know, for those of you who don't know, I interviewed Andy uh, in a couple episodes, a couple episodes back. And we were talking about our history and. That's how all this leaks up. So if you're wondering why I'm talking about Andy and he's not on this podcast, Andy is the person who leaked up you and I. So you and yeah, yeah. So uh, Andy Lowe's official title, I think, is director of production and casting. That it's it's whatever the title's bullshit. The guy's a one man army. Like he always has been. Uh, theater was part of my sort of saving grace. Like one of my few lights at the end of the tunnel when I was in this sort of lost phase. Like after biology and before tech um as a career and um especially like um uh 80 like he cast me in my first play but more importantly than that like he was this one-man army where he was he's asian american and he created his own theater troupe there just weren't opportunities there weren't the same types of like you know we study the same old dusty greek shit at, you know all the time in school uh and that stuff is great and, and fundamental but it's not the only thing out there and there wasn't the same sort of like you know, opportunities. And even though I wasn't Asian American, like, like, so one of those things where like being Turkish American 
meant that I was always this sort of other, like always looked like something else. In fact, the, the only, my very short theater career, I only ever played Mexicans. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's fine. Like, you know, I, I, I love, I'm from San Diego, whatever. It's a part of life and it's cool. But I don't know if we could get away with it today in this day and age. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, maybe. I mean, you have Koreans cast as Japanese. Like it happens. Like, you know, there's, there's mm-hmm. plenty of like blending. But all I knew is that I kind of found like my tribe, like, oh, okay, life can be like alive, interesting, and not so career focused. Um, and, and so fast forward, like, uh, you know, almost 20 years later, I'm in my career, I'm up in San Francisco, and I'm basically having like, that's the longer story. I'm having this life crisis. I'm like, am I burnt out on tech? Am I burnt out on life? Like, what's going on? I've just been in that same hamster wheel for so long. And I, and I, I saw a lot of people leaving San Francisco um you know i'm just complaining about the scene that wasn't it for me i love the city i saw a lot of people complaining about tech and i'm like no there's still really interesting shit going on and and the sort of light bulb that turned off for me is that i realized that that scene you're describing that creative bubbling and mixing and meshing and and talking Mm -hmm. and conversations i had that my first few years up in san francisco and when I started, I dipped down, started going out to a few things and saw that other people were still having that experience. They were wide-eyed, they were coming in. And it just, there's like a season for everything and that season had passed. And I started thinking like, well, shit, I need to change. Like it's either changing out of tech or it's changing San Francisco. I got to try something else. And right around that time, uh, I started working at a company where one of our core members was in LA. So I, uh, 2018. Okay, so I I use that as an excuse to come back down to LA, and I reconnected with Andy. And okay, we nice. had one of those like whiskey soaked, like you know, many hour conversations, and caught up on like everything, and saw a lot of parallels. That's probably the first time he mentioned you too. He's like, oh, you got to talk to my friend Benji. He's got all the battle scars too. Separate industry, but similar sort of lessons. And then from 2018 until we moved in 2020, about 24 months the idea grew like inception i was like well what if i moved well what if i went down there all this well what if i had a job where i had to go well what if we read that yeah so you know we're actually down here so what made you pull the trigger what was my wife my wife okay i i dragged her up to san francisco and she was such a good trooper and i got my my career like um you know up and running in a way that like um you know it doesn't matter where i am now like i'm at a certain level where it's i feel pretty good about it yeah you know and that that's it took so much patience and, and love and, and determination on her end to see me do that because it is such a roller coaster. There really is like a, uh, like a one set path as opposed to she is a nurse and there's a very clear yeah. prescriptive, you know, uh, thing for that. And so after about 15 years of her trying to drag me back down, I realized, well, shit, like us moving back down. Oh, sorry. Can we cuss? Is that cool? Like, fuck okay. yeah. All right. Um, I, I was up there and I was like, oh shit, like, um, you know, it's her turn. Mm-hmm. And this this change would be good for me. And she was in nurse practitioner school. If she comes out um, in nurse practitioner school in Southern California, she can choose a job anywhere in Southern California. So let's just try it. It was kind of an experiment. Okay. We moved down and that's how that did. And kept the good energy going um, with the I, uh No, there was some dips there. I, I, the, the few weeks we were supposed to crash with my parents is when lockdown happened and we... And oh. it turned into six months, and I felt like a fucking teenager. <laughs> it was nuts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my god. I've been in therapy, and I'm like, oh, that that was like a useful reminder of like, okay, some of that baggage is still sitting under there. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it's come out on the other end much better than where I was before the move. But like, you know, I don't complain because 2020 is rough for everyone. I'm lucky that I 
I mean, how many times as you know, as an adult you get to see family that much? Like it right, ended up right. being overall a good thing. But um, yeah, we're 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 kind of in a good place now, and it's made me appreciate what I got out of San Francisco and also what I was missing by the time. It, it's seen so much clear in hindsight now that okay, yeah. I should have moved like five years ago. Yeah, and um, yeah. it's it's hard to I know it, for me at least it's hard to uh, see where you are when you're when you're moving down a path, it's kind of hard to, you know, stop, pull over at the rest area, take out the map. You know, everybody's looking, well, I want to go this way and we're trying to do this. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard to actually take that stop when you've got the momentum going. So yeah, I, that's I've, actually a really nice spiritual philosophical way of putting it to me. Um, um, uh, it was much more like, uh, shit, I don't want to admit defeat. Like I had certain dreams that I wanted to accomplish when I moved up there. And it wasn't until I started thinking about moving away that I realized that, oh, I'm, I've been blinded to all the shit that I did accomplish just because I wanted this other stuff, like like becoming a founder and thinking that, oh, if I created my own company, it's the path to like happiness and riches and all that. No, no, yeah, no. Oh, did, did you get that from the Bay Area, that idea of becoming a founder? No, it's actually part of the inception seed that grew in me where I, I became increasingly dissatisfied with being in, in San Diego. And uh, I just jumped straight to SF. I, I actually started reading these essays by a guy named uh, Paul Graham. Hold on. I like that you said Inception Seed. Um, <laughs> we're we're, we're going to pick up on Inception and a couple other properties in a, in a second. But yeah, that's great. It has, it has entered the lingo for me where um, in like Inception, the idea wasn't fully my own. Where I was on this personal journey and I thought this idea had grown. But I look back now and it's, it's just a, it's a very common mecca. And it's, and it's good. It's fine. I'm not trashing it. But like when you're in your career, like if you're lucky enough to have a career as opposed to a job, mm -hmm. like, you know, that feeling when you're on to a career, as opposed to jumping from job to job and you start getting these aspirations and you start, you start like early on, start thinking, how far could this go? Like, where's the best? What could I learn? And there seems to be always sort of like a, a Mecca for certain things. Like, you know, say Rome for fashion in the 1800s, mm -hmm. yeah. like that was the place or New York for finance. It used to yeah. be London for finance. And it just felt like, okay, you're in tech. Like I got to make the pilgrimage. And once I was there, that's, that is an awesome feeling. And when uh, I was talking about this with Raphael, we were, we used to, um, he was the primary artist, the 3D artist on Rockstar Games Table Tennis. And I was the lead designer and we were just always going back and forth about when you're on the, what people don't understand about development and uh, creativity is when you're on that cutting edge, when you're out there, it's kind of like uncharted territory and you don't know if a weird beast is going to jump out and grab your leg and pull you down. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't know if you're going to fall off a ledge or, or find gold. It's kind of this scary kind of unsure place. So uh, we were talking about um, music, the art, development, and I came across this story about the Stradivarius violins. Okay. And basically, we, I found out that the reason they're, they're so, or um, they've got such esteem is because they were all developed around the same time by similar groups of people and people that inter-network. Uh -huh. So whatever magic they had going on at the time that allowed them to create these violins in this way, it was just at that time with those people, with those materials and, you know, everything just kind of came together and that yeah. happened. Yeah. And that always stuck with me. Like, yeah, you get these groups of people that 
kind of roll together in these movements. Yeah. Same, and we saw the same thing with hip hop. There are certain people you can always come back to. Yeah. Same thing with, uh, you know, the Silicon oh, San Diego. Uh, I thought about this a lot with um, the San Diego music. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how good we had it until way later. I just grew up as a, you know, as a kid, you just think the things that are there are always there and always going to be there. Yeah. Um, like the way that I've learned to appreciate that my school was so, it, my school, by the way, is so experimental. It doesn't even exist anymore. And I want to do this documentary about how the hell it even came into being like yeah um but but music was like that like we didn't realize like oh i just thought oh everyone has this sort of new wave punk every genre goes reggae hip-hop all blend together into this creative explosion like we did in san diego no (laughs) there's like there's like you know motown in the 60s like it wasn't quite it was almost at that level like if like i remember seeing no doubt um like at my college campus and they were so like not even major label yet that they worked their own merch table yeah. and Gwen Stefani was handing out stuff. They had their gimmick where they're all dressed like a marching band. And I'm like, yeah, this was like one of 10 ska bands I followed. Yeah, they're okay. Like it, it was that much, you know, cool shit going on in San Diego. And it wasn't until I moved away that I realized that like, no, 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 San Diego has like really interesting, cool art, music, tech, comic con, like crazy shit exploding. Yeah. I don't know what it is uh, about the understated nature of the San Diego arts. Um, I think it's a reaction. To the yeah. <laughs> I mean, we actually had this. We actually had this term called San Diego Lane, where uh, <laughs> where you know something would be awesome and cool, and you're like, "Yo, you could build us up to the greatest thing." And then one of us would be like, "Well, you know, San Diego Lane is gonna fuck it up." And basically, you'd have this movement move on somewhere else and be awesome. Like, uh, uh, I, I, I saw my first, um, not my first, but I saw a Shepherd Ferry installation in San Diego. And I was like, what? I was like, what the hell? And I, they were like, like, yeah, you know, Shep is from here, right? And I was like, did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's yeah. been, he, that was his stomping ground for quite a while uh, yeah. before he moved to LA and then really got big. Um, I, I thought Christo and his wife speak in La Jolla. I had no idea who they were. Friends said, you should come see these people. And they're like, Fucking like the 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 pinnacle of like um, um, installation art of like all the twentieth century. I'm like, oh, yeah, they sound cool. I like their books. Like, I know yeah, you know. But they would come for like these little, and, and that's part of why I, like, I did eventually leave San Diego. Is that not just the economy recovered, but I was feeling that sort of big fish in the little pond kind of thing. And I and I was also at a fork in the road in terms of like, okay, I've been a programmer designer hybrid this whole time. At some point, I got to double down. Let me, I just got to pick one. Like, I can't keep doing this like hybrid thing throughout my whole career. I was wrong, but I was like, I can't be as good as I want at both, uh, I should say, in that early sort of skill development phase. And I, and I, and I picked programming and I picked San Francisco. I was right about one of those things. And I was wrong about the other. I'm a much better designer than I am a programmer. So, do you think um, that vibe of being the powerful creator, being the uh, not powerful creator, but being um so devoted to one thing i definitely remember that from from my programming experience i don't know if that's a tech thing where it's like this guy is the ai programmer or this guy um really knows how to do networks and he's going to be the network guy yeah Um, that was always how we spoke about it in video games i don't know if that's the way that you ran across it I, I did, but much later in my career. Like, I definitely, um, I'd say the first half of my career, maybe more, I fell into that trap of, like, the generalist, which 
is what fits my my personality. I just love a, a, a shit ton of stuff. I've, I would say in the last half of my career, I've learned a lot more about who I am rather than hard technical skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, uh, I'm not an extrovert or an introvert. I'm something called an ambivert. Like I could go down the list of things, but around halfway through my career, um, I ran into um, a book because of a friend. Uh, shout out to Aston Motes, uh, employee number one at Dropbox and my white comedy hmm. friend. Uh, Aston Motes uh, now is like, you know, rich and retired and runs the Black Girls Code uh, boot camp in, in Oakland. And he, he, I was looking at certain sort of breakthroughs I needed to, I felt like, like hard skills wise to become a founder. And he's the one that turned me on to this Strengths Finder book. And he was like, most people make the mistake of trying to be good at everything. It's kind of drummed into you in school. Right. Um, but if you actually look at success stories and look back, they, they, instead of trying to get like, okay at everything they become world-class at what they're already good at mm-hmm. and that's when i started saying okay well what what do i uniquely bring to this instead of trying to do everything kind of like letting go of programming a little bit like i, I haven't done javascript and i don't know how long um and you know when i moved up there i was doing like video games for the casino industry i was designing apps i was doing it all and now it's it's something where there's also a compounding effect like if you, for a good, I'd say about four or five years there, I was about maybe one of a dozen people in the Valley that was known as like the startup designer, like a designer that could do startups, yeah. you know, oh my God, he knows HTML, like back when that was actually like, you know, difficult thing. or yeah. seen as difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And action script. And he knows like rudimentary, like product management. So he knows business models and, he, you know, that kind of thing. Like on top of, you can do UI and UX, like all that, it became like a thing. And then. After a while, um, I milked that for so long. I started, I knew what that felt like, but I just kind of felt like after a while that became its own sort of hamster wheel as well. And, and now that's, it's kind of like a, kind of like a done thing, like product design. I, I'm getting into Arcana about my, my actual industry, but basically there's, there is this thing that brings me down about kids today and their design education where they're expected to have sort of 10 years of experience with two years of schooling. At most, like maybe they come out of a boot camp after they come out and they, the bar of what you can do as our tools get better and better, you're expected to be able to do more and more things. And it's just, there's just some things that's human nature. It just takes a lot of apprenticing and trying a lot of things. The flip side is there's way less gatekeepers. I had to get these Mm -hmm. kinds of jobs to learn these skills. Now you could take like a coding class on Skillshare when you're 12. Like you don't need that special computer high school I went to. So, you know, one hand give it, one hand take it. That's pretty crazy times yeah it's it's crazy uh i think as a society and that kind of a whole we're in that weird unknown space you know where we're all just kind of like is this the right thing i don't know i'm going this way and yeah wait somebody marked something on a tree that says death you know (laughs) i don't know that i don't know what that means i'm lost in the forest but god that that is way too that is way too on the nose about how a lot of these people pick their careers and what to learn or not they're like well, I've heard this was a good boot camp because blah, blah, blah went to this boot camp. And then they go in and they hear that, oh, if I do a UX boot camp, then that's where I can do the type of design I want. But it's, it's all kind of like hearsay. And so you end up with this weird situation where on the hiring fence side of things, for me, companies like, like mine, we're constantly searching for people to hire. And we're like, God, there's like no one good out there. Yeah. On so, the other side, okay. there's, there's all these people that are graduating and they're like, oh, I can't find a job. And it's like, something's got to give. Right. Yeah. There's a, it's all weird right now. Um, yeah. And I think that the system itself, 
the powers that be are, and I don't, I don't mean like anyone pulling the strings. I mean, the strings are starting to pull themselves. Um, the whole, you know, biosphere that we're in is kind of at the point where it's dragging us along. Yeah. And, you know, we've got all these technologies and I think Kevin Kelly, uh, was it Kevin Kelly who wrote the book, what, what technology wants? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I haven't heard that one. There's some, I'm, I'm yeah. past like, I'm past peak TV, peak yeah. books. Like <laughs> when, I, when I actually get away from work now, like I get into theme parks and hey, Andy's there. And he's, uh, we've much talked about Andy. As, as you said, theme parks. And yeah. Those up. Yeah, no, shit. We're, yeah. we're going to, I swear we didn't time to go back. But, uh, and for theme parks, I actually wrote a blog post um, recently. I've been secretly blogging. So that's been my, like, trying to put my face back out there again. And I'm, I'm much more, despite my talkative nature from here, I'm much more comfortable with the written word than I am just, like, interviewing people and getting up and doing that kind of thing. And uh, in one of my little odes to SoCal was um, how much I look forward to getting an annual pass to Disneyland. It's just yeah. something that I've been looking forward to for so long. And I practice my photography and I draw. Uh, Andy and I both have a shared love of Walt Disney um, and Walt Disney, the person that Steve Jobs and Thomas Edison combined of his day. Actually, I think he's the, the thing that's underappreciated is that he was actually the Elon Musk of his day. And that yeah, he's getting yeah. into his own. Um, and, and, and all that stuff. Like, so when I get away from computers now, I try to get like really the fuck away. I've got like two little dogs in here. I don't know if I can see them. Uh, but, but to, to come back to like a positive note about tech, and this is, I try to sort of go between the good and the bad and try to keep it balanced. One thing that I do really, really love about tech is that, um, because tech is now touching all these different industries, every time I change a job, I'm changing industries. So even though I stay in tech, it's a new startup about a new field. Um, so I've done tech startups in advertising, in social networks, in outdoor clubs, in, you know, you name it. Right now, uh, I'm doing one in AR and I was just, uh, I was just like texting you like math the other day, like about a week or two ago. Cause, um, I was like, Hey man, I've been trashing VR to all my friends, but I think I get it now. Let's talk. Okay. Um, let, let's go there. And yes, I do have all the all the little notes and everything nice printed up so i I, keep, I try to keep this organized and, and, so it's like a bingo card so if i if i hit enough of the topics like i get what do i get if i if i hit them all but no so we're like hitting topics and i like draw a little circle with an arrow it's like okay now we can skip that and start here <laughs> um yeah it's a uh, my and this is my process chicken scratch like ransom notes and you should yeah. see my desk because i i am a huge fan of paper and if you saw my process behind these digital apps it would look like uh, like I'm trying to track down a serial killer in Baltimore. Like, this does not look healthy here. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's so funny. Uh, somebody was, somebody came into my creative process and, you know, they were almost disgusted. They're like, what kind of hot mess is this? And I, I got offended. I was like, hey, yeah, this is art. <laughs> oh, this is, this is the good shit. You got to break some fucking eggs and make that omelet. Like, you got it. And I, and I, it's that sort of, I can tell when I look at the end product and it's unimaginative and I'm like, oh, okay, you, you just kind of paint by numbers this. You didn't really dig deep. Like not to get all Don Draper, but I'm like, there is opportunity if you want to for each gig to really go deep into what that place is. And right now I'm in this, like, um, I'm at a job called Sitescape. I'm heading up product Mm -hmm. there. It's a very small team, about a handful of people, um, in a very, very early industry, which is, um, iPhone driven AR. Um, 
that's the fancy sort of like uh, t- tech term that we use when we're fundraising. Um, it's just basically laser scanning. Um, because about 11 months ago, uh, the most valuable, profitable company in the world took something that's at least an $18,000 sensor, just threw it into their phones for free, just to, just for shits and giggles to see what people would do. Yeah. And so the cons- that's, that's the company I'm at now. Yeah. And that's a uh, LIDAR. Is it pronounced LIDAR, LIDAR? Or- oh, good question. Uh, I don't know. I went through all of high school thinking Andromeda was Andromeda. So I'm the last guy to ask. All right. Uh, so, so really quickly, <laughs> I think it's LIDAR. Yeah. Really quickly, let people uh, explain the technology really quickly. And sure. So actually, actually, let me back up on that. Um, yeah. Everybody kind of lumps VR, virtual reality, into one thing. It's like you put a headphone, you know, headset on with headphones and the eyepieces, and you're in this virtual reality where you've got a reality. But there's mixed reality, augmented reality. You're in the AR space, which is augmented reality. Let's yeah. start with what that is, and then go into the laser version of AR. Yeah, and it's it's basically so complicated that I don't even think we're fully AR, but there's no real name for what we do. So AR is kind of like the closest one. Um, and when people think of AR, it's ba- so okay. Let's start with VR. You put on a headset and you just see an entire digital world, like you're in a game, like a game console, right? And you can't see anything in your room, and you're wearing this big chunky thing. AR is you wear these like transparent glasses, and it layers things in front of you, uh, sort of like Minority Report. Like you'll see these little pop ups in the real world. Right. Um, in reality right now, like if you've ever used your phone with Google Translate to hold it up to a sign and have it translate, or if you've ever like held it up to kind of like, you know, um, see where you are in Google Maps and have it look at that, that's all AR. Um, but what people think of as AR is like these, these things that kind of don't exist yet, which is uh, the right. Google Glass kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's reasons why there's huge rumors about Apple doing AR glasses sometime in the next few years. I yeah. think that's going to be the next sort of iPhone or at least Apple Watch kind of moment. Tim Cook even talks about, they never talk about future products, not even the car. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do talk about AR. They're like, that's the next big thing. We're researching it heavily. We think that's, we don't think VR is going to take off. We think Facebook's on the wrong. Like they say some cool yeah. things that they never, ever say. Our little company, um, LiDAR, um, is this thing you can get on uh, iPhone Pro and uh, uh, iPad Pros from within the last year. And what it is, is basically laser scanning. It's basically, um, do you remember the Xbox Connect way back in the day? Absolutely. Yeah. So there was like phenomenally, phenomenally underrated and underutilized piece of technology. Yeah. So when I went through uh, the startup incubator to create our company in 2012, um, there were teams that were trying to hack that for other stuff, like um, use the connect, hack it, you know, connect it to a computer, have it scan someone to try to do custom fit clothes or get their exact body type and that kind of stuff. It's basically a scan of 3D space. And the connect used it just to see where your arms were and if you're dancing and how are you doing the score points and that kind of thing. But now with LiDAR on your phone, you can basically do that with anything. You can scan, you know, this room, you can scan this object, you can scan all kinds of stuff. And so how we're using it at Sitescape is um, they already do that, but they do it with these like, you know, scanners that cost tens of thousands of dollars and you just hold in your hand. Um, And it's really useful. What you basically do is um, instead of like using AutoCAD or something to create a 3D model, um, they do do that. But then they want to see the reality and they'll go onto a job site and they'll use this laser scanner and wave it around and they'll make a 3D model of what, what's actually been built. Like, how? okay, I know what the blueprint says, but is this, is this pipe actually eight feet off the ground or whatever? Right. 
And those the those scanners um, are like the Leica forty thousand dollar one. They have like this hundred twenty thousand dollar one. You stick it on like this tripod and move yeah. around. And now it's for free in an iPad. In an so iPod. why would a, we're doing that? So why would a construction company be interested? Uh, because uh, you can actually have like you know tons of these little things. First off, it's like way quicker because you can do t- like you know you make a three D model in seconds mm-hmm. instead of like having this you know uh, dedicated machinery and dedicated you know person go around and make this thing. Yeah. Um, and basically you can have, it's, it's just so newbie friendly. Um, you know, you can give it to your construction form and have them say, go to the sixth floor and show me what the apartments there look like. See if they're all like in order instead of like saying, all right, now we got to wait till Friday and have the scanning guy come in yeah. with his, you know, car with his, uh, uh, scanner that costs more than all of our cars right. put together. I was trying to, I was trying to think of an example. Cause I always, I've, I've been known for good examples, but I was actually having trouble finding this one. Um, if somebody asked me what 3D scanning was and my head was you know, running and I was like, do you remember Transformers when they were trying to figure out like the alien technology of the Transformers was trying to figure out which car, yes, vehicle. Man. Oh, I got to use that one. And I got to use that one. They would fly down and scan a car and they had all the three dimensional and internal data about what it was. And all of a sudden it's in the computer and they can emulate it. So yeah. that that's oh, in my head. That's kind of my because I I actually have not heard any imagined descriptions because you know I work with engineers. Uh, and Andy's got another one. Dark Knight in Dark Knight when uh, uh um yeah you know when he's trying to like he takes that bullet hole remember mm-hmm. from the Joker's like kill scene he takes it back to his lab and then he analyzes the bullet to get a three D reconstruction of it. Right, laser scanning as well too. Um, the closest I came, but it's so dated. I'm so glad you brought up newer ones because mine was like a. Do you remember when Tron like gets sucked into the computer and he gets yes. sucked in like you know there's like a laser shine on him and it's like finger by finger in his arm like yes yes exactly not as good but uh, so that's, yeah you can use these like um, relatively cheap ass phones they're, they're top of line phones but they're um, so we're, what's really interesting about this industry is basically it's eleven months old like consumer affordable lidar is like a is a thing and it basically. Um, the consumer world is probably the jack shit with it because they're like, you can maybe use the Ikea app to see like if your chair fits your living room, you want, no one's really using it. But right. Right. In the business world, they saw this opportunity immediately. And so my team before I joined had built a prototype. Um, I joined to do something that I've done on a lot, which is to make it uh, look good enough to be worth paying for and relaunch it. And, uh, that's what we did, uh, two weeks ago. And we've been averaging about a customer a day since then. And, we're not, we're not at the promised land yet, but I got to tell you, I've worked places. I have case studies up on my website where for me redesigning to getting our first dollar took like six months. This time it took less than six days. And, and it's, it's the difference between, um, work, I've worked on so many things where you're trying to make it a thing versus like riding a wave of something that's already there. And it definitely right. feels like um, this kind of laser scanning, AR, VR, metaverse, whatever the fuck it is, like there's, there's something changing. You're yeah. not going to just keep doing things the same way totally and I, I do want to get your impressions on um you know with any new technology there's they're trying to be nice <laughs> you're trying to say it in a nice way <laughs> well, you try to, on it. you're trying to say metaverse in a way that where we don't shit on it before we shit on it um well you know, <laughs> metaverse becomes this weird concept and everybody starts thinking you know, I'm going to put on computer goggles and it's going to be the world of Wally or whatever. Yeah, and launch um, man and yeah. Exactly. So I tend to try to take um, 
the the fantastic ideas of that and say, hey, well, here's where we're doing it in real life. Here's where this is happening here. Yeah. So uh, I don't think people, when they hear augmented reality, are seeing what's already going on. Yeah. Um, if you think about your reality, and just let me, you know, jump in wherever if you want to uh, add on or take away. From no, no, no. You, you, for your viewers, they should know, by the way, I was texting you and you popped up with, those should have worked on two AR things already. So I'm actually yeah. here to listen on this side and I want to mine your, your experience. So augmented reality, in it, and I, this is to me in a generic form, is kind of taking technology and augmenting your sense of that reality. Unlike virtual reality, which gets you in a virtual space and it's replacing your, your, uh, your conception of reality, an augmented reality is augmenting your reality. So yeah. how does that happen? If you take a look at the five senses or six senses, if you want to include gravity, or whatever else um, you think you can sense, then we'll add those too. But basically, um, you know, let's say you walk into a restaurant and they've got the aroma, I forgot what they call it, but they're pumping out certain aromas like of lavender oh, or whatever. Yeah, like um, if you're in Starbucks, they pump, um, a lot of that coffee smell is fake because the machines don't make it anymore because it's the automated right. one. Mm -hmm. So they pump fake coffee smells into Starbucks to make you feel... Starbucks. -y. Yes. And it's augmenting your reality. That is a form of it. Uh, if you've ever been in a museum where you get the headphones on and they, as you walk past the yeah. exhibit, it says to your right is the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like that's augmenting your reality. And with those kind of little steps, you can start to see where we're adding into realities or, you know, you've got wearables. Um, yeah. you know, if you've got, if you got your Apple, Apple watch or whatever, and you set it to, and this is the one that tricked me out. I did, I did, I don't have an Apple Watch, but I use it on my phone. Um, remind me when I'm at a location. Oh, that's the best. I like, never tried that until uh, until I was like, I left a store and I was like, God, dog, and I forgot X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah. So I said, yeah. next time I'm at the store, remind me. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm totally in, walking back in, um, and it's like, eh, eh. and I'm like, the hell is that? Somebody texted yeah, yeah, yeah. me. And it's like, oh. I'm back in that store and that happened or that happened to me. And all of a sudden my game design mind just exploded. Like, yo, you know what we could do with this? And the technology, <laughs> it's been sitting there, the technology. Um, yeah, yeah. But, what, but what I'm getting at is we have a technology, we have the mathematical formulas, we have all of the means for a lot of this. Now it's about, putting all these building blocks together and deciding what type of construction we're going to make from all of these building blocks and will society accept it. Yeah. So that's where the, the design side comes into me. That, that I like that approach. And that's why um, I was looking forward to this conversation. Hopefully the, the first of many as I get deeper into this AR world, because that is a broader definition than I had. I had like put on glasses and see some visuals, but the truth is um, that is, that is much larger. And frankly, like, game design and movies and theme parks. I try to draw inspiration from as many non-web things as I can because I find the web is a great medium for um, basically inspiration from other mediums. Like you, like, and when we first started out, they didn't know what the fuck to make of this. So there was like degrees, information architecture. Now it's librarians trying to stay relevant. And they were trying to like, <laughs> sounds serious. Like, you know, and they like yeah. do, they like Dewey decimal the shit out of the web. Like, you know, there was, there was all this stuff like, 
in uh, whatever, I had this feeling like I used to joke about San Francisco is the most relative city in the world. Like if you think it's hot, like you're probably from Norway. If you think it's cold, you're probably from the South. Like, you know, right, right. it's it's one of the, and the web was like that too. It's like, if you think it's a magazine, if you think it's a newspaper, if you think it's a radio, you're probably right. Like that's probably, also, it also says more about where you're coming from. And, and, and I say web, but like iPhone apps kind of have some of that feel too. And, and as we develop all these other tech and stuff, and it goes into the other sort of like realms in the rest of our world, like it, you can see the roots of the approach from the top down. Like I find VR to be not very mindful. Like I find it very isolated, sure. cutting off. Whereas like, I love tech, like the Apple watch, the Apple watch, I got the series zero and I actually, not all techies are the same. We don't jump into it like all tech and we're, we all know about crypto and we all right. know about blah, blah, blah. But the Apple Watch, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And I wore it for five years. Straight. I didn't even upgrade it. I had that ancient old one yeah. ticking along. I literally wore it till the battery exploded during COVID, like <laughs> this year. Like, yeah, yeah. And like the screen popped off and, and Big Bear and everything. And, uh, and, and I, and I just, I love what I loved about it was that I felt more connected and less connected at the same time. Like I would just wrap up my Apple watch, leave my phone home. I'd go out and I feel connected to myself and my heartbeat. And also like any emergency notifications, but also yeah. less connected from, you know, Instagram and all the other stuff. And I was like, okay, like in, in a kind good of, way, in a good, in an amazing way. Like okay. it, it felt good to like say like, oh, not everything has to be turned on at all times, but not all tech is necessarily bad. Like I, I loved uh, my Apple Watch. And, uh, and the reason I said loved past tense is I'm waiting for the new one. Uh, I'm going to treat myself to a little cellular one. Um, so now you, yeah. you did say it's, it seems very top down. Um, you mean that in the sense that these companies are trying to push a technology on us for to, to be the leader in something that we haven't thought of yet or what? Yeah, there's, um, I mean, it, it can be top down or grassroots up. Like tech is, is kind of like that. Like the web has like long, decades long sort of history from the grassroots up before it got commercialized. Um, and part of the blogging again has felt like the sort of that indie web, mm -hmm. non-commercial writing side. Like I just wanted to contribute to that again. So it's been really good to sort of get back into that. Um, but yeah, so like VR, for example, for me, just to get into the weeds a little bit, feels like it's being pushed from Facebook top down where it looks like it's, that is their next big thing. That's what they think is an expect thing. And they're mm -hmm. sort of pushing it. And it's and you can sort of see it like, oh, okay. If you ever felt so engaged to Facebook where you're like, oh shit, I can't get off it. And Facebook thought, yeah, that's great. Let's let's engage even more and make like digital avatars of ourselves and strap on a headset and lock out the real world. And yeah, you could see that approach, right? right. Whereas with, with Apple, um, they don't make their their money necessarily from how engaged you are. It's from your experience of like the quality of the product they're using and selling you more hardware, right? So if you feel like you bought this hardware and you feel like you had a quality experience where it's improved the quality of your life, like that's a very different business model than Facebook's like be on it as much as possible. And and there's room for both. Like there's a reason why we've always had like free cable, you know, free net, uh, broadcast TV and then mm -hmm. paid cable TV or cheap Netflix and premium HBO. Like there's, there's always like a free and premium experience. Um, but I do think sometimes you see the, the the roots and the backgrounds of these players like pushing through. Um, I do think we're also in an interesting place where because the Apple Watch, I think is the first time Apple sort of broke the mold of their approach where okay. they tend to be they tend to be late adopters. They tend to come into something really late, and make the best of it, not the first of it. They didn't make the first sort of, you know, uh, computers. 
Yeah. They didn't make the first uh, smartphones. They didn't make the first of a lot of stuff. They didn't make the first PDA. Um, the watch is where they jumped out and said, this is where the industry is going and they made it. And it still took time to take off. And I'm, and I'm wondering with this AR approach, are they going to jump out in front? Or are they going to wait for more like shitty Google Glass implementations to like, you know, flood the market before they finally say, now here it is done right. The reason I'm, I'm kind of put, I'm, I'm interested is because a lot of this talk about metaverse that's trying to pull together different things. Mm -hmm. I think it's waiting for its iPhone moment. Not it's like crappy, you know, Oculus. You can use it, but it makes you dizzy. And really, it's only for gamers or mm -hmm. whatever. Like, you know, not that, but the like the broad, like, oh, I could see like donning these on and and, yeah. uh, and it actually helping my life. Like, I mean, you only need to look at like an Uber driver that's like staring at their phone way too much as they're trying to drive to realize that like a heads up display would probably do better for them, you know? Right, right. So with that and... You know, uh, shout out to Donnie Cornwell. Thanks for joining us. We, I, I have this question. I've asked a lot of people and I'm not sure if anybody has a good definition, but what, now that we've talked about AR, VR, et cetera, <laughs> we're, and this is, as I said, there's a lot of different pieces to these technologies, but they're all coming together to form something, some yeah. sort of future that we're going to be in. So what is the metaverse to you or what does it mean i'm not asking for a crazy scientific definition but just to you what does the metaverse mean sure so um how do i put this so with with two disclaimers one i'm new to the metaverse as a phrase and i but okay everyone is we all are uh, yeah and two even though i'm new to it i've been around tech for 20 years and as a hobbyist so i kind of have some strong opinions um to me right now, there's a difference between what the metaverse is right now and what I think it could be. Right now, it's pure marketing bullshit. It's some people trying to make a name for themselves by trying to forecast the trend and get out ahead. Um, and they're putting all these like, um, I had linked to a video uh, where we had an interesting discussion. And um, this video, the guy was, the guy, he was actually from our wife, Hummer Batch also, uh, the guy behind Soylent, his name escapes me right now, the, the fake uh, food drink. Um, he, the first half of the video is basically trying to explain the metaverse. That's the kind of expert you want to explain, like the eight characteristics or whatever of like what the different devices are and how they connect. The second half of the video is where it gets interesting. It's where, that's where I mean by it. it's, it's all these technologies are sort of waiting for their iPhone moment. Something that like pulls them together and normal people get it and it clicks. Um, I think the metaverse in the long term is something where maybe we won't be just looking at screens. Mm -hmm. Like tech will be a little bit more like the Apple Watch. We'll have a little bit more of it around us. And maybe it'll take something like uh, possibly like an Apple AR glasses kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the reason I say right now it's marketing bullshit is not just because Apple hasn't done it. It's because um, this is my personal belief as well, too. I, I don't think VR will ever fully go mainstream and it doesn't have to. Game consoles aren't mainstream and they're bigger than movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not for everyone, but it's huge. And VR could be like that. But I think that AR has the potential to be like smartphone level big and people are starting to smell this and they're trying to put their stamp on it and put their own little marketing like way, but also like in a good way, trying to say, they're just trying to think ahead to like, okay, how, how would, if, if there's people that are, you know, um, interacting with these different types of tech and they're blending into the types of tech we have now, how would that work and what different kind of things could come out? Um, you know, it's an interesting time, like completely unrelated. There's the web three movement, which is like the crypto people trying to like basically yeah. reinvent the internet. Um, but 
one thing I should say as a disclaimer, one reason it's so easy to, there's two reasons why it's so easy to shit on new things. One, um, it makes you look smarter. It's just so much easier to be negative about, oh, Google Wig, Google Glass. It's just easier to shit on things. And it's this weird effect where you look smarter if you, if you, if you actually criticize something. Yeah. So people that are evangelical early, they just, they, you, they look dumber, even if they're right in hindsight. The second thing is that the reason I don't know if the metaverse is going to be a thing or, or how it's going to be a thing is that not everything in tech actually, like us techies, aren't always playing with something before other people get it. Sometimes it is a fad. I mean, um, I mean, do you remember like Second Life? Like, you know, do you remember, um, you know, 3D in movies? Every team yeah. set was going to have 3D. Like there's always, there's always things that like, and, and that's the thing about what you were talking about early on when you're working early in this frontier and you're not sure how things work. You don't know if you're a canary in a coal mine for something everyone else is going to use or if you're just off in your own sort of magical weirdo land. And yeah. part of part of me personally moving away from San Francisco where I feel more grounded is that like I feel like I'm I'm sort of just just close enough to be close to tech and all the scene and the, and the cool like arts down here. Um, but also just far enough away where like I, can, I have a little bit more perspective and I can just see what regular people are like and the things that they take yeah. to really quickly that would surprise me. Yeah, when uh, you finally get around seeing what rape regular people are like. <laughs> you mean you mean muggles? Like, oh, this buddy. I like about like I have to uh, I have to always put that disclaimer out because I use that phrase too, which is funny to me. You know, I'm sitting around talking about um, you know, like the the connect. It's like, yeah, no. If you have this thing that can track your movements in a room, then why do you actually need? Hey, actually, we could all have this kind of interface that's not a device but a yeah. and well regular people won't use it and then you know people look at me like who you know yeah 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. y'all you know yeah yeah sometimes i call them civilians um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a disparaging term we oh are, no sometimes it is I like, when you're when you're, you're like regular. the front row of it tech support yeah. for like your entire family yeah sometimes you're like oh fuck it mom come on this is how you like you know oh shit she's gonna watch yeah same thing um, yeah, you're, you're, you're always like, you know, like fixing tech for other people, but no, they're good and bad. They can be a grounding influence. And I, and I think that's where, um, like actually like, this is actually kind of weird, but this is sort of my imagineering sort of like reference. Like I love stories of Walt Disney, like walking around Disneyland and undercover and, you know, and intentionally frumpy wrinkled clothes and just being unrecognized with like a weird hat on and walking around and he had like a stack of like pre-signed um, autograph pre-autograph slip mm -hmm. of paper in his pocket so that like if the kid would recognize him because there's always the kid the adults were like focus he just, yeah you know wink say shh and give him a quick autograph you know out of his pocket and like leave nice like he just and he would do that shit to like watch like um okay did someone have to walk too far before they had to throw away their hot dog wrapper okay great mental note put down a trash can there like okay trash cans have to be this many feet or whatever like and i've always envied that because um Part of why, like in my field, there's this this subset of the work we do called UX. It used to be its whole own field, and it still is for large large yes. companies. Um, it stands for user experience, and basically, it's there's these experts or expert skill sets that you have to use to try to connect with regular people because it really is like very disconnected. This this conversation we're having is both much more connected and much more disconnected. Like mm -hmm. it's both connecting me in a way where like, you know, I'm not driving to San Pedro and sitting down and having to sit in studio and set this up, but it's also disconnecting in that, like, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to see how, when you make a digital product, 
how people actually use it. You have to rely on metrics and analytics yeah. and user tests and all this other crap. Whereas when you build a physical product, the upside is you can go sit outside the gap and see if people are walking through the new displays and being affected the way you want. Like it's, 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 right. it's, 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 it's its own medium. And I, and I have this whole theory that like, um, felt kind of ahead of its time. People looked at me kind of crazy, but now with AR and VR and these other things we talked about, it feels a little more prescient, which is I felt like the typical web or, 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 uh, mobile apps I've worked on are very numbing. Like you're just touching glass all day. It's a smooth thing and it's not tactile and there's no yeah. smells or interaction. And it's just numbing. Like it's just my, it's just, it's just, it, it's just like not personal in a lot of ways. And I have to use all these tricks and friendly language and colors and UX stuff to like make the apps feel much more pleasant and have little moments of d- uh, delight stuff. But mm-hmm. there really just isn't replacing the experience of a kid turning the corner and seeing Minnie Mouse for the first time and her losing her fucking mind and screaming. Yeah. I like the way I like the way you put that. Um, where you know, getting to a place where the experience is pleasant. Um, and I I think I know what you're getting at. But the way I was reading that, um, because I had a similar idea in my head, was that we have these this I don't want to say disconnect, but there's a technology, there's a uh, methodology, or something kind of experience out there and when we utilize it we may get happy from it like we may get the dopamine rush we may be cool interacting like on a keyboard or whatever but once we stand up we're like okay that whole interface wasn't very compelling like playing with the wasd keyboard and the mouse yeah that's a bit of the disconnect for me running around an actual paintball arena for example um yeah and a reason I, I I keyed in on that was because I think that um, the fang companies or any companies like of that size, you know, we're talking about Amazon, um, Facebook, Netflix, et cetera. They're getting to a point where they realize that. And this is them. What we're seeing is them putting out these technologies in such a way that it's like, hey, this is a really cool technology. We're not necessarily going to try to force something on you, but we're going to give you enough playroom where the people can start to kind of decide, hey, I like this aspect of it. I like this. Let yeah. me use the connect in this way. Let yeah. me. Um, so it's this weird yeah. play between the top down that you uh, alluded to and the bottom up where it's like. It works out well for them, and that's why they're doing it as corporations. Yeah, but I like I, I think they're almost, I don't want to say smarter than us, but we're dealing with these huge corporations that it's their job to kind of pull us along. Yeah. In different. A directions. little bit. A little bit. They, they, I mean, even at a very top level, so the Zucks and the Gates and the, you know, uh, jobs of the world, there's still people with their own mm-hmm. approaches and their own biases, et cetera. Um, and, and there is this sort of... Um, same thing that I was talking about with my startups, where there's a feeling of like you're onto something and you're riding a wave, which mm-hmm. trying to make it happen. Um, and that's and that feeling, I, I get that feeling from from Facebook of them trying to make VR happen versus Apple sitting back and trying to say like, okay, if we're going to do this right, I feel like AR is the wave we're going to ride because it's it's and, and and I could be totally wrong too. Like I for the first time last year is when I felt like okay, I I need I want a VR headset. Like I really not mm. not just like I'm curious about it and I've tried a few experiences. I'm like. 
you know, the, in the depths of lockdown, I thought like I thought back on some of my demos of VR stuff of like sitting courtside an NBA game or being like on stage in Cirque du Soleil. And I'm like, OK, shit, OK, I get it now. Some of the VR people. And so yeah. I, I should on, I should on VR a little bit less than I used to. Um, but I still feel like like this this iPhone that I'm looking at right now was the first step into taking portable devices out into a world. And segueing into something I know we want to talk about in sci-fi and how the, the fiction of it inspires us and, and vice versa. Have you ever read a sci-fi that was compelling or seen a movie where their devices were as fucking annoying as they are now? Like, notification, notification, shut up, Siri. That's not what I said, notification. Like, you never watched right. that movie, right? Right, like, right. It, it's helpful. And if it's there, it's like integrated. It's like, computer, make me some real grade. Like, you know, they're, you know, and I, and we're, we're, we're not really, we're just such in the early innings of like yeah. tech having like that experience you had where it gave you a nice reminder when you like walked into the store, like you should be able to have that without having to be like a settings guru that goes into your notifications panel and figures like, you know, 2000 little panels the right way. Well, and I think this is where we get into, um, and thank you for bringing that up, uh, with the sci-fi is that we're getting into this art and emotion, which is on one side and the, uh, you know, the logic, uh, the technology, um, and, uh, the physical creation of a lot of this stuff on the other side. So you have this manufacturing and logic side or whatever, and you have the artistic human side or whatever. And I, as I said, I think that both sides are kind of starting to play a better game with, um, with each other in terms of, well, Hey, I'm looking for this. I'm just a regular person. Yeah. How can we make this technology a little better? It's like, well, maybe you don't have to wear something on your face. Maybe you, maybe we just integrate the, the augmented reality through your AirPods. And I'm sure somebody at Apple sat around and thought about this. Like, you know, if we ever go this route, the AirPods would be great to. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. oh, the, a, the, the AirPods Pro, um, with their transparency mode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've heard it described as like augmented reality for your ears. And and for those that think we're like, that don't have them, it's hard to describe them. It's almost like it's a pair of headphones or like a hearing aid or both. It's like you can hear voices that other people can't and you can still hear their voices. Like it's right. It's this weird trippy experience where you're not like this big chunky thing I have on. It, it, it doesn't block out the world. It's like part of the world. Like that exactly. example you're talking about the museum when you're walking past and you have a helpful little like guide saying, hey, can we do this or whatever? Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely something that's um um yeah, I I don't know. Like I like, you know, the tech also doesn't have to be so big and, and like advanced. Like I'm I'm actually obsessed with these little speakers I just got from sure. uh from Target. Mm-hmm. Like they have, you know how we have like name brand cola, like I don't know if kids still experience that. I did when I was growing up. There was like, you know, the real Coca-Cola. And then there was like the one, the store called Cola. Yeah. Now they, they have that with electronics now. So like Target has their own brand and they don't want to call, they they just have these like five, $10 electronics that they call the the heyday or mm-hmm. hey yeah. something. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just bought one of those and put it in my shower. And I'm like, holy shit, this little, this little orange little robot is fucking amazing. It costs me yeah. five bucks. Like, you know, so there's this little bits of like, tech embedding itself throughout our world and then but all of it being sort of like connected in a way where it'd be nice if it was a little more helpful and a little more humane and i think we're still yeah finding that like my little i'm obsessed with this little speaker i should grab it from the bathroom but it's just so simple just on off switch and a few other buttons but it's like 
you can make it do so much and you can, I interact with it when I'm in the shower. I'm like, no, this jazz yeah. or whatever. I can talk to see it. And it's all from this like little constellation device. And, and you can sort of like even maybe kickstart it together some yeah. electronics too. So one thing that I learned, um, and you're totally right there. One thing I learned when developing uh, video games with Rockstar um, is that you can have these large systems like Grand Theft Auto and these very small systems um, or relatively small systems like table tennis. And yeah. the amount of interplay that can happen between them is extremely interesting because hmm. whenever we're discussing like what we should build, there was always that discussion of, well, what if it fails? Well, if it fails, we can still use the technology for this. Oh, yeah. yeah. You start finding out these little bits of, you know, even if it fails or whatever, we start, we're still taking little steps towards whatever this metaverse concept is or, you know, whatever these larger concepts are. And I think that the big technological shift that we're talking about is just going to be more of a, uh, a tipping point where yeah. it's like we had the, yeah. we had the AirPods, we had the Connect, we had the, you know, iPhone. We've got all these hundreds of, do or dozens, let's say dozens. We had these dozens yeah. of minor technologies that influenced our lives in quote unquote minor ways. And then all yeah. of a sudden someone's going to be like, Hey, that Google home project, we're literally building homes. Guess how it's yeah. going to work. And the people are like, Oh my God, you know, I need, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need a Google VR home or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. and then they'll say it's like one big event and you're like, not exactly. It was these series yeah. of small things that all led up to it. And and one thing I've big events, just one thing I want to keep yeah, yeah, like this is something that um, I wish was more common knowledge in tech. And for some reason, this this lesson keeps getting learned and forgotten, learned, forgotten. Is that a lot of things we look back to as big events, we recognize their importance in hindsight. Like if you look at the iPhone, it didn't take off till like the four, maybe the four S. Right? You didn't you didn't really start seeing it everywhere, and you didn't really start selling the numbers. The iPod, we're like, oh shit, that that's it. That's the product that saved Apple, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, it didn't really start taking off till the third or fourth generation. Like there, there is this sort of curve to things where even if something is huge, you just kind of see it. And it's it's more rare that you get something like the iPod where the uh, iPad where there was yeah. this huge takeoff and then it plateaued for years and years. Like that's that's a lot more rare. It's much more like that. And so I do think that like even if we say I keep hyping up that the Apple AR glasses that may never come or the Apple Car or whatever, um, just because to me and my my personality, my approach to tech, like, I feel like those things match. And I bet there's other people that are excited to see where Facebook takes VR. But even if those things click into like the, the good enough level to do some mm -hmm. of the things that we were talking about, it'll still take years where like people like you and me are probably hammering on it first and then the middle adopters and late adopters. Um, and it'll just seem inevitable in hindsight that, oh, of course we've got self-driving cars, like, or whatever yeah. the next thing is, you know. Um, you know, you'll forget all about, you know, Cruise was this, um, is this like self-driving taxi car um, service that got bought by TM and, and they're starting to roll it out now. No yep. one's going to remember that it started out as like this connect looking attachment that only worked with Audis and you had to drill holes to your roof. Like, no yeah, yeah. No one's going to remember that. Literally, <laughs> I visited my friend that, and he still is, I think, the chief operating officer, um, Jesse Kahn's little brother. And I visited them when they were like less than 10 people in a little garage. It looked like the Tony Stark garage. You had like, you know, hand, a couple of engineers with computers up against the wall, some like Audi with like this ugly, like it looked like the the spaceship from um, Independence Day. It looked like this mm -hmm. ugly thing. I'm like, 
who's going to buy a nice, pretty Audi and stick this ugly, like, you know, HR Giger looking kind of thing on top? Nope. No one's going to remember that. It's just, it yeah. just takes that long for shit to take off. Uh, and it, that, I, I, that, that guy had a crazy demo. Um, the guy that came up with the cruise thing, he had a YC demo where he got up in front of the investors and he said, uh, um, most of you drove your car down here today. Unlike the rest of you, my car drove me here, showed his thing, showed the yeah. attachment, stick it on an Audi. You could live in the future. And like, it was, it was insane. Uh, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. So like, I live for those little moments cause they remind me of that, like little kid that was into tech as a hobby that just not like Tron was the coolest and not too cynical. <laughs> well, no, you know what? And this is where to me, the art and emotion side really comes in because Without, you know, somebody was asking me, you know, well, why do, uh, why do these science fiction writers, you know, seem to get it right about where tech is going? And I was like, I don't know that they're getting it right. I yeah. think that they're also driving what developers and what people think about when they're younger. So if I'm, you know, a six-year-old kid or whatever, and I'm, yeah. you know, looking at all the Transformers, I'm looking at and all the stuff on TV, yeah. reading books and comics. When I start to get older, I start to think, I wonder if I can make, and then my head goes back and starts to think about all the art that I've seen, you know, like um, a holodeck or, you know, the just tap my, tap my little sign on the shoulder and be like, you know, computer and talk to the computer yeah yeah years later alexa comes out and it's like they were right and it's like yeah well there's a little bit of back and forth they were inspired yeah, yeah. to create that instead of yeah. something else yeah so um you're currently in looking at some of the arts and you're jumping into dune oh i don't think it's okay. so deep into dune right now that it's like a confession at this point it's nuts it's nuts and, and in fact it's funny you should be touching on that because there's this pithy review on the back of the first book, which is really all, any, if anyone's watching and they're curious, you really only need to read the first book. It's a masterpiece and everything else that follows is just because I'm addicted. But that first book on the back, the New Yorker calls it, says, um, possibly even more relevant today. And that's how I feel about the book. It, it's, it, I was, uh, I think Nate joined. Yeah, there is. Alfred Lord Tennis, anyone? Uh, we were talking- By the way, that is a that is an excellent name, Alfred Lord Tennis. Anyone? Oh, that um, guy's an excellent guy. He comes up with all kinds of creative shit. Like, um, he's constantly crapping me up on Instagram with the simplest stuff. Like, yes, today he was like wearing three hats, one on top of each other, talking about how he gets better sunscreen protection the more hats he puts on. I don't know where he comes up with this shit. Um, he's an interesting guy you should interview because he's in the arts, but started out at UCSD in physics. So he's he's like science and arts and all that cool shit. All right, uh, dude, carry on. But Dune, um, it's crazy because, like, I do feel like um, the arts sometimes gets a little bit of too much credit about predicting the future. And it's more of that thing I was talking about where some things are just big in hindsight and you sort of connect the dots. Like, you know, you, you just sort of have a selective memory where you look back and you go like, well, we don't have, you know, Jules Verne's exact, you know, hot air balloons circling the world and all of us jumping on and off. You kind of forget about that stuff and you forget and you see the stuff they got right. Um, and, and that's what I'd been telling myself before Dune. I'd been saying like, oh, well, it's a shotgun approach and you're going to get some things right and you're going to get some things wrong. Then you read some shit like Dune and you're like, oh my God, some people literally can see the future. And it's yeah, a yeah. book about seeing the future. Um, one of the reasons I'm so, I, I jumped into it is because... Uh, oh, what is it about? Okay, so here, here's the spoiler-free. I know you're, you're big on spoiler-free. I've seen that in your other interviews. Um, 
Uh, I know it's been out since 65, but I didn't know shit about it. So I'm going to treat anyone that sees that as like fresh to it as well. Um, the thing that you find out just in the first few pages without blowing anything, and that's in, in, in all the books and movies and TV series, <laughs> is that there's this planet called Dune. And there's this, there's this substance called spice or melange. Okay. And that humankind tens of thousands of years from now has wandered out into the stars until they discovered this prop, this, this, um, this uh, substance. And it gives different people sort of different superpowers. And uh, there's, so there's like a race of trained nuns and they can sort of like see into their past. There's um, these um, guild navigators. They use it to sort of be able to navigate through space. Like different people have different properties. But it's clearly the whole thing is um, a metaphor for, um, from, it was written in like 65. The whole thing is a metaphor for both what the, the Arabs and specifically the Bedouins went through in World War II, all the way through to um, this insane examination of what happens when the oppressed become the oppressors and literally uses terms like jihad um, and, 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 and just sees like decades of the future, the stuff that we, we we're experiencing now. Um, the, the spice is clearly a metaphor for oil, uh, on this arid, you know, planet where the, the indigenous people there are like the Bedouin. And then there's these external empires that come that, that they do their war on their turf. Um, I actually think spice is also a metaphor for caffeine. Um, caffeine is something that as a substance to human civilization is only, it's very young. It's only like a century or two old. Uh, Michael Pollan's written a whole book about how the industrial revolution was actually built on caffeine and getting the whole, uh, world off of beer. Um, and there was the whole, there was the whole, uh, the coffee shop movement, you know, that a lot of intellects were always, you know, juiced up on caffeine so yeah yeah the the, the um, your example that you gave stradivarius being in the right time and right place with right people my favorite example is einstein he had like a couple other colleagues but in particular his first wife was also um huge into physics like him and he just worked as a clerk to pay the bills and at night uh einstein's wife would just get high as on gallons of coffee and just like talk and write like all night she's the uncredited um, yeah. um, power behind his, the, his insights and stuff. Because for like a year straight, they just like, they literally became junkies on coffee and had all these insights. Um, spice is also, um, Spice and Dune is also uh, a metaphor for psychedelics. It was written in the 60s and how like shrooms and LCD were just beginning to, to come into the Western world after being seen as something that was, um, you know, for indigenous people only for religious use. It started being studied in universities like Harvard and Timothy Leary, that whole movement basically as a way to expand your mind and that to sort of unlock different parts okay. of your brain. Um, it, it, I, I could go on and put, by the way, I'm on the fifth book right now. Okay. And there's so much shit that I'm starting to forget the first book and have to go back and read it again. Yeah. So, okay. One of the things I liked about the description of doom, and this is my Wikipedia description. Um, it says that, uh, let me just read this verbatim. The doom saga is set thousands of years of humanity's future. Faster than light travel has been developed and humans have colonized a vast number of worlds. Space but a great reaction against technology has resulted in a ban on any kind of thinking machine. Yep. Yep. That's what you're talking about to me. Let's, let's talk about that. But right, right before we get to that, um, that actually, I was thinking about that the whole time we were talking about the metaverse and, and technology and how it impacts our lives. Um, that description I gave is like, like the, everything that I'm getting out of it. But for people that the pithy summary to why Dune is awesome is that it's Star Wars for grownups. 
Like, if you wanted Star Wars with, like, real consequences and sort of this Game of Thrones-type level of violence and sex and religion and, and heresy and all that shit, it, that's what it is. And when, when you read Dune, I've heard for so long that Dune is this masterpiece that's thick and it's harder to get through than Lord of the Rings. Um, and I don't know if that's true because it's been around so long. It's influ- influenced so much of the culture that, like, every few pages, you're like, oh, shit, it's like this science fiction property or it's like this yeah. other thing um and so i think like dune's time has come and it was like decades in advance but one of the reasons it didn't take off like star wars or um isaac asimov's foundation um which dune is like a counterpoint to by the way um is that it's not like most science fiction there's basically no robots or computers and that's a very very specific thing because of this thing that in the book that's called the butlerian jihad there was a jihad against tech um, in, in this time of an emperor named Butler. And uh, basically, the tech that survives thousands of years later is um, very invisible, very zen, you know, very hidden. Um, it has certain properties, like you're not supposed to see screens and read. Like, it's almost like um, if you were to take, like, Steve Jobs, like psychedelic trips to Japan in search of like Zen inspiration for Apple products to like an extreme, like that's what it would be. It, it would look more like this, this like uh, worry stone I have than like your iPhone. It would be something where if you rub it a certain way, if it, it comes into contact with certain things, it would be high tech, but an invisible natural sort of right, thing. right. And I think that like that doesn't capture the imagination of kids because I consumed industrial amounts of science fiction growing up like yeah and and i and i dune was just this like missing gap in my education interesting okay uh you got me with the doesn't capture the imagination of kids um i don't think that's that's too grown up it's too grown that's up, a, that's a concept that's interesting in that um well you know I, I, hbo is producing this shit i'm not joking about game of thrones yeah. like it's 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 fucking violent. <laughs> I, I, I hear you there. I, I hear you there. The thing I'm the thing I'm keying in on is, and this is still part of the same conversation, is that yeah. my ideas or thoughts about little bits of technology coming into play as opposed to this grand idea of you need to have this implanted in your skin or your forehead. You know, yeah. we're gonna replace roads with, you know, pipes or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so those are big grand ideas, but <laughs> those are all real ideas, by the way. You're not just those are all, exactly those are all funded companies, possibly exactly. Yes, bazillions <laughs> of dollars being put towards this stuff, and they could do something a lot more pedestrian. But um, the like, uh, you really caught me with the um, you know the little worry stone, and like doesn't capture the imagination of kids. I was talking to this one person and, um, you know, the little, uh, the little hoverboard joints. Oh yeah. Uh, the little, the two wheel thing. Yeah. Yeah. A little segue thing. Um, I caught somebody on one of those and they just kind of like walked in, jumped on it and like zoomed in a circle. And before they rode off, I was, I was just like, Oh, you good on that, huh? You know? Yeah. And and, there's people waiting and running on those things. Yeah. But the way they, the way the kid's response was, was like, oh, yeah, man, it's regular. And there was no, like you said, like the kid's fascination about it. Yeah. He has no, uh, had to have been maybe 13, you know? Oh, man. 
Nope. Oh man, if you want, if you want to do this, like let's compare our great horse. No, no, no. I mean, just no concept <laughs> of that being an extremely amazing thing. When you said it's just, he said, "Oh man, it's regular to me," and yeah. sped off down the street. He meant regular as opposed to, yeah, I learned how to do this, like riding a bike, not right. as you know, hey, this is a regular piece of technology that we we didn't think of seeing on the streets. Yeah. So with all of these pieces of technology coming into place, this is where I think the metaverse starts to form. Yeah. And in my head, the metaverse is this slowly expanding and building layer of our reality that connects me and you, connects me to uh, some kid in Brazil. No, no lie, I was, I was on online and in Discord or something and some kid from Brazil like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking, wow, your English sucks. Oh, Brazil, okay. You know? <laughs> no, your English is amazing. It's better than my... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm so used to talking to like, uh, yeah. you know, native English speakers or whatever. I'm, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But um, in fact, it was on an NFT forum, right? Ah, okay. Now there was something that I've, I've shat on crypto. And, and the reason I don't, I'm trying not to shit on the metaverse as hard as I can is that I don't know if you're feeling this or this is where you're going with it. It's, it's not even about a particular technology like the metaverse, mm-hmm. but I was used to tech coming and going in waves and it still kind of does. But I think those waves are turning upwards so fast now that the pace of change is faster. So yes. like, you know, there, there was this like um, feeling, one of the reasons I felt so sort of like stuck and needed a change in San Francisco uh, a couple of years back is that I, I had this dawning realization that within 10 years, there'd been a 30-year swing in my colleagues, where when I first moved up there, I was the youngest on the team by like 15 years. And then by the time like I was feeling that, I was the oldest on the team by 15 years. But I'm like, I hadn't been there 15 years. So that was a 30-year swing. So like the tech and the type of people getting into it and the stuff, their familiarity with it right away, that the broad opening horizons, younger and younger, like the, the pace of change changed so quickly that I was actually looking at my skill set like around, I'd say around 2018. And I was like, oh, I had this realization that me working on desktop web stuff or even iPhone web stuff was just as outdated as those graphic designers when I came into the, my profession that only worked on posters. And I looked at them as like fucking dinosaurs. There were kids that had never designed a single website in their life that had designed like five mobile apps and they were in the app store oh, yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. regular to the... It's regular. Look. Oh, so like there, the, I do think the pace of change is accelerating. I don't think it's just like a, oh, new crop and new kids thing. Mm-hmm. I do think there's so many things bubbling together. That's why it's harder to rule out any one direction going forward because there's so many weird possibilities going forward. Having said that, the reason I like the UX part of my job or just design is that the human factors don't change that much. Like it does feel isolating to have, like, I mean, my nephew is as, as digital native as he is, he's like 12, like even he's like, you know, VR, like I I, got to get off after two hours and get a headache. Like there is like, there's like human factors to needing to get out and get a breath of fresh air and see someone. Or there's still certain human elements. And, but at the same, and trying to balance that with the fact that that same nephew is going to grow up in a world where there's a a city on Mars. Like it's going to happen within the next 10 years. Like you're like, Jesus Christ, like that's insane. (laughs) So what is then, and what is then the good side of this? um, Because this, as I said, that, what everything you just said kind of brings me back to uh, technology pulling us along. And we've gotten to this place where, 
this amorphous idea of technology is dragging humans along with it. Yeah. And it keeps happening faster and faster to the point where companies like, um, you know, Rockstar, as I alluded to, um, Facebook, Amazon, et cetera. It's not like they're sitting down saying, hey, we're going to plan this. We're going to do that. It's going to happen. They're just riding with the winds of change. Like, yeah. hey, let's put this technology out here. Let's put this API out. Let's see who builds on top of this. Let's find a young startup company and just give them money and see where they end up. And we're kind of on these winds of change. So how do you view it positively as opposed to the the normal cynical aspect of where like computers take over and we we wake up every morning and we, you know, plug into the system and get shuttled in our boom tube somewhere, you know, to be <laughs> I, I, I think I I think I go back and forth and that's fine. That's human. Like some days it's like uh fifty one forty nine in one direction. I feel like Skynet self aware we're all fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Some days I wake up 51, 51, 49 in the other direction where I'm like, you know, I see these kids that um, came out of abusive situations and started making art on NS- with NFTs for the first time in their lives. And now they can pay rent and get out of the house. Like that's the, the, the first teenage NFT millionaire happened like that. He found art as a solace and he just just been doodling in his own, in, in his, silently in his own notebook. I'm, his name is escaping me because I'm not that huge in the NFT world. Um, and then at the same time, you have crypto, which I think is um, just, you know, so before I start talking about crypto, basically, there, I think tech can be used for good and bad. And I think that it's on us to try to sort of like, just do that 51, not 50, 50, but 51, 49, try to highlight and find those good use cases. So for example, crypto, um, in the Western world, crypto is, um, speculative, like um, predatory behavior and money laundering for organized crime. But in the developing world, it is a way for the unbanked and people that dish the, the, the billion or so people that have no hope of ever having a, um, a, a institutionalized checking accounts be able to do digital commerce. And mm-hmm. it's been a boon. Like, I think the, the country that uses crypto the most is Vietnam. They're looking at my wife's country, El Salvador, to lead the way because it's the first country. I was about to bring that one up. Yeah, it's the first country to officially recognize crypto as like um, actual official currency. Um, and so like there's like even within something that I love this shit on like crypto, there's like these positive and, and it's sort of negative. And even the yeah. thing you're saying about video games where as you're developing this one thing, other things develop like blockchain came out like crypto is the first implementation of something called the blockchain. Well, mm-hmm. they started saying, oh, we could use blockchain for all kinds of other stuff. It kept sort of casting around. Uh, when I was in 2018, when I started coming down to LA a little more often, I was at a, um, um, a, a medical software startup and we were looking at like possibly using blockchain to do both decentralized but secure medical records. Like people were sort of looking for a use for it. And then NFTs came around. It's like, holy shit, you can use blockchain to sell like um, actually unique, yeah. non copyable art online. And so, yeah. you know, they, it's that it's there's there's sort of yeah. um, I think and that's overplayed that there's going to be like one big Terminator that comes online and now finally right, right. eliminates us. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I- exactly. And so what my development um, has been over the years is making sure that, you know, we're, we're creating something in this world that makes a more pleasant experience for all of us. And I think that's what led me to uh, in college you know, tell my professional development mentor to 
screw off. I'm not going to Motorola. I'm not going to 3M. Um, wonderful companies, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to Motorola 3M. I'm going to 3DO, you know, and they, you know, their heads exploded like, and that's not a career. And I'm like, yeah, we need a more pleasant world, I think. And I think a lot of things can be explored in games, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But that was the, that was the pushback I was getting then. Um, and I still kind of get that in a lot of ways now, even like with, instead of like someone asked me why, why am I not developing apps and why am I talking on a, you know, yeah, on my phone to somebody. And it's like, I think this is what we need right now. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe there won't be a lot of listeners, but I need to start getting a lot of these messages out. And so that's kind of where I'm trying to add into this whole weird metaverse future, whatever we're doing right now. I'm really, I'm really glad you ended on that because that's, um, or not, not ending the conversation necessarily, but like you ended up on that point because I do think that like, you know, putting aside like my, my jokey side about it, I do think overall I'm a tech optimist. And that's why I wasn't able to really leave the startup of tech scene because mm. it's, it's in the why I was so willing to make a life change where I love San Francisco. I left not because of San Francisco, but despite of it, I, I, my wife is there right now in a weird quirk of timing where I'm talking to you. Uh -huh. It's, it's her first trip out of town, um, since we moved down. And she's just been FaceTiming me about like the city and what it's like and how much we miss it. And in the, and, and I, I still don't regret it. And I still think I'll be down here for quite a while. Once I'm mm. retired down here, who knows? Because yeah. I, I feel like there's a season for everything. And when I was up there, the optimism of tech and being on that frontier, um, if I don't feel it when I'm there, like it's cool that I had it rather than hang on to it forever. And now when I'm down here, where I started feeling that same feeling of like, oh, when I was really in my career discovering stuff, is when when I go with Andy and his friends to Disneyland, and I in that getting into Disneyland as an adult is a new thing for me. I know there's people that have just been they grew up with it. They're probably maybe a generation behind us, like where they they like being into Disneyland was never uncool. Whereas like yeah. for for the forty and ups like me, like there was like an eighties period where it was run down. It wasn't. It just wasn't the sure. same. And it was yeah. just there's this there's this um, cheesiness gap that Disney has. Yeah. From like the mini Mickey Mouse to like the cool era, they and they just did. Yeah. That's why. They, but they've been buying properties since I was a kid, and, and uh, but getting back into it as an adult and going down there and just being naturally drawn to Tomorrowland made me realize, oh yeah, like, and I started looking up all this stuff about Walt and Imagineering and all this insane tech. Yeah. I, I, by the way, we would need a whole other conversation. Oh yeah, for me no, to talk about. I'm caught. I'm going to wreck. No, me, you. And, 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 and we're we're gonna we're gonna do a whole Disney Imagineering thing. Yes, yeah. Talking about that because yeah. that starts to actually that even tails off the um discussion we were having about trying to form the future, yeah, the way we want it instead of the future forming itself. And yep, because Disney, um, what's his name, uh, Robert something Moses, uh. Oh yeah, uh, the, the, the 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 New York, York planner. Uh, yeah, yeah, the New York City planner. Um, you know, and uh, Jeff Junio, who's a friend of mine. Um, Jeff Junio. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, he's um he's a game designer over at Jam City. He does a uh, cookie cookie jam and a lot of the other. Oh, uh, nice. nice. Anyway, you know, he was he's always fascinated by how how places end up. Like, well, yeah. Why did South Central become South Central and how did we get here and there? Well, the yeah. city planners did this. They yeah. did the runoff water from that. Yeah. Um, 
And oh, we had our equivalent in San Francisco where um, um, the tenderloin got cut in half with the freeway. And yeah. uh, and it's like, why the tenderloin? Like, oh, yeah. you think redlining in African-American neighborhoods. Like, it's it's fascinating to be able to, like, play that Sim City, you know, go forward a few decades, go back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I tell my friends, it's like, uh, you know, if I've ever seen any, you know, this is, is it just theoretical talk. I was my 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 uh, mother's side of my family is from New Orleans. And when Katrina happened, Hurricane Katrina came in. It shuffled the entire city around. Mm. And what's interesting to me is that I have two aunts who never really messed with each other that much. And they, they you know, they're, they're family. On that like, same, same mother's side? Yes. Okay. So they know each other. They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, okay. you know, we're, we're family and we're too close and everything. Yeah. But they ended up in a situation where they lived down the street from each other after Katrina. Huh. It was like, hey, you can get a house down here. I know the person's moving out. House is in good condition. Yeah, After yeah. Katrina, it's not going to take that much money to get it back up to speed. Hey, I know a contractor that worked with my house, so he'll be able to do yours kind of at the same time. Yeah, It is just, it's just this thing that worked out. So now I have these two aunties that are close together in proximity. And when I talk to them, it's completely different and they don't notice it. Like their relationship. What do you mean? their relationship is completely different. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of, instead of, yeah, well, I have a sister, you know, um, on the other side of town. I'll go see her. We'll hang out. We'll go to the movies. It's like, hey, she didn't bring my, you know, yeah. she didn't bring my saucepan back. I need yeah. to do this and that. Yeah. And I'm looking at them like, yo, you guys are behaving like, like, like children now. Like when you were yeah. children, kind of yeah. siblings, as opposed to, people who are far away from each other obviously because oh. they're literally close yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's fascinating just to watch that relationship change see how people you know react to each other now yeah. um something that i may have that one of them may have been um okay with like having the kids come over hey kids come over they don't come over off, off often so it's not a yeah. problem but now that they're like next to each other <laughs> it's like look Go back to your house. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, it, that's, I haven't heard someone describe it, that you put a finger on something I've been thinking about for a while. And while we do need a whole episode on Imagineering, Epcot, urban planning, um, it's, it's something that Andy encouraged me to talk more about when he first brought me into their group. And I gave a little presentation on the first time it, it, it failed and burned. Uh, second time I came with visuals and it went really well. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but there is something you're putting your finger on about relationships forming physical infrastructure and physical spaces informing relationships that that's what I mean when I say I'm missing Francisco is that like, just like I was talking about these web apps are numbing to just be constantly like on glass screens. Yeah. It is a little numbing in SoCal to just everything's a car away. And that, that, that aspect that I miss in San Francisco where, again, being super relative to someone from Southern California, I thought the public transportation was amazing. And people from yeah. like the East Coast and abroad were like, God, how do you put up with this? So it's, it's all very relative. Yeah. And one of the things my wife has been FaceTiming me, she's like, you know, we've only been away a year or a year and a half. And she's like FaceTiming me. She's like, Bart is like having magic sneakers. This is amazing. And she's seeing all these friends all within two days, you know, of each other. And uh, down here, it would take like, you know, it would, it would take like two weeks and like 15 car trips or whatever. So 
Yeah. So I, I, I do, I did have the sense that when we started talking that this would be the kind of conversation where hopefully it'd be the first of many. Yeah. One thing, excuse me. I want to ask you something uh, before we log off. Uh, uh, by the way, we can go as long as you want on my end, but I... No, no, no. Uh, you, I, w- I want to leave Andy yeah. with the... I'm looking at my clock here. I want to leave yeah. Andy with the uh, the longest podcast yet, so uh, you can't beat oh, that wait, record. Wait, wait, I can't. Why not? What's wrong? I'm very... <laughs> how much more How much more time do I need? Come on, let's roll this clock out. No, I can't. I can't. Go, go on. Uh, you, uh, you, want to, you want to throw in? Uh, well, I did. I didn't have a question for you. So the podcast that I want to talk to you about later... Um, the focus is on learning about jazz, where some friends and I that have sort of gotten burnt out on electronica and just basically the electronic music generation in general, um, found ourselves all independently, simultaneously wanting to learn about jazz. And so I, I, I just like there was something about wanting to hear a, a, a musical instrument created by an actual artist. Like it's almost like the more people can create music like at a lower level, like easily with electronica, the more you appreciate the rarefied high end, harder to create thing. Like the more people could shoot things on their iPhones, the more you appreciate a blockbuster, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I, I didn't know if you had any experience with uh, music podcasts, with jazz, with interviewing musicians, because that's one of the key hooks is if it's going to teach us, the creators about jazz, um, we want to do this podcast in a way where we're they're teaching our guests are teaching us and we're learning and the audience is learning as we go along. And so, you know, all kinds of questions in there wrapped into that. I, I'm wondering what kind of thoughts you might have. Yeah. So that would be um, to me an expert based podcast where you're basically interested in going somewhere and you're calling on different experts in a given field. Um, I do have a little less wide ranging, maybe. Yeah, you know, I do have people who are very knowledgeable, you know, as yourself on this podcast. But the idea isn't for it to be, you know, hey, we're going to have this expert on to talk about this type of material and make educate the audience. So um, this is more of a conversational thing as opposed to that. So with your expert based podcast, uh, no, there's plenty of uh, formats for that. And I think coming from a place where you you appreciate um, you have an understanding and you have kind of a direction. Uh, I think that's a great place for a podcast to start. And once you bring in people, they'll start to expand your knowledge and that automatically expands the questions you ask, expands, uh, who you get on, where you can and go. With have it. you done that before? Have you done a podcast along like a scene or, um, or listen to ones that you enjoy? Like the closest I get to is our friend, um, probably also a mutual friend Hazel said, oh, your show sounds kind of like something that'd be on NPR. And that's the only reference I have as to kind of the vibe of like learnings and in, in a lot of theme. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's there's a class of Joe Rogan podcast that where he gets in, like if you just search on the internet for um, Joe Rogan smart, you know, Joe Rogan yeah. people or Joe he does, Rogan science. Okay. Like, you know, that's how I got into Rogan was I'm not in the UFC or whatever, but he tends to be the only yeah. podcast I can think of that'll have physicists on. Right, exactly. So yeah. his conversational side is with the MMA artist, right? Where oh, okay. he knows what's going on and they banter back and forth. And the same goes for when he talks to comedians. They're they're pretty much I mean, he's a famous comedian and he knows the scene and the circuit. So there's a discussion going on there. Same as this right here. We're kind of both in development. Yeah. Um, you know, you've done a lot more of some things. I've done some more of some things and we have a discussion. Yeah. yeah. And then he, then he has things where he calls in 
well, this is this physicist, this is this, you know, molecular biologist Thanks. or whatever. So those, you just search for Joe Rogan scientist, Joe Rogan smartest podcast or whatever. And there's a good format for it. Nice. Thanks, oh. man. That's actually, thanks for putting it away where yeah. that feels much more approachable. To, I know he's high end and a gajillionaire too, but at least his format feels approachable to me as opposed to NPR's like yeah. so produced. I'm like, oh Jesus, I don't know if I could ever pull it off. A great one is also um, Tim Ferriss. Ah, okay. Uh, he gets in a lot of experts and it's very, it's relatively short because he's trying to get in and get to the point. So it's not conversational, but it's very approachable. Okay. So he gets in, like, he's like, hey, we have this expert on running. Um, here's what I tried. I tried running for a mile. My shin started hurting. This happened. And now I'm talking to this expert. So expert, what happened? Like, yeah, man, you got to have more vitamin, whatever, and this and that. He's like, okay, well, what about this? Boom, 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 boom. Expert came in, gave his opinion, and they're done. Nice. It's very informative, very approachable, and it makes sense because Tim comes at everything from the everyman point of view, even though he's a superstar himself. Yeah, that's awesome. That's perfect. That's exactly the kind of stuff I was looking for. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know how much time I need to run out of the clock to beat it. I want to make sure like sneaking a thank you for pulling me into this because this is like the kind of thing that like, you know, we're talking about finding inspiration elsewhere, but this putting a human face on things and yeah. relationships, remembering that's what it's about. And, and just having like this approach of, um, I was just getting good vibes watching your stuff, but I, to hear that it's actually intentional and that you're trying to focus conversations towards like positive uses of like technology and culture, like. Uh, you know, you're doing a good thing and you're really like, you know, leading the path towards like someone like me that hasn't even done his first podcast or like blogs once in a while. And and this is why I landed on Instagram as the platform because of the accessibility and the way people jump in. Um, you know, I save the audio and can, you know, it's it's a thing that builds. So I'm happy with it. Um, one thing I, I had a, I put a pin in something here. Did, okay. Did, um Will it happen all at once? No. Uh, let me ask that. Learning about jazz. Dune's time has come. Boom, boom. I'm, I'm just going through the checklist and we've hit like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me uh, too. We we well, didn't actually talk as much about startups as I thought. And that actually oh, makes me ask me. Oh, okay. All right. Ask me no startups. Like, I don't want to be the one-dimensional startup guy, but at the same time, I realized there's so... It's 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 like an underground fight club. Yeah. There's so little known about in the public sphere. Yeah. Um, we'll have to say the bulk of that for another one. Oh, but sure. Yeah. When... Uh, you know, Andy, I think may have connected us for some reason because there was a time and I was, I was kind of loud about this at the, at the moment, but, uh, Sony had just, Sony of Japan told, I was working at Sony Santa Monica, Sony of Japan told, told Sony Santa Monica, Hey, we need to cut X, Y, Z projects. We need to do this. And I was on a project that was new. And so something I thought was good. All of a sudden, like, hey, I'm on this new project. They're finally going to do something that's not God of War at this studio. It's going to be great. And they're like, yeah, Japan just called. They said stick to God of War. So everybody that was on the God of War project huddled together and was like, sorry. And I was like, oh, okay. So my, my experience of making open world games didn't apply to God of War at the time, which was, you know, it's still very linear. It may seem a little more sparse, but it's the same kind of linear development. Mm -hmm. Anyway, from Which, there, by the way, I, I do want to, I've mentioned to you a couple of times. I really want to get into your background because 
I always found video game development so intimidating. These insane timelines. Yeah. And it's like the Hollywood of tech where I'm in like the little small mammals, like four or five person groups, like making yeah. like little, you know, our metabolism is through the roof, you know, like your, your guys' work, man. It just, it just seems crazy. It's, it's incredible. It's mind boggling. The technology radically shifts every couple years, you know, yeah. with the new consoles or whatever. But I was at a, after the Sony experience, I just started calling around and ended up at this, um, what do you call it? Kind of events. They have a, a mixer, a industry mixer. There you go. Okay. Or a little industry mixer where it's like, hey, you know, video game companies, we're kind of seeing who's out there. We're kind of just talking to each other, networking, et cetera. Um, so I'm at this event and there's this group of people over in the corner. So I'm talking to this waitress, you know, she's, she's cute and everything. And we're talking it up and she leaves and she's like, you know, well, I got to do my job. I'm like, no, don't worry. Do your thing. I'll be over here. So I'm waiting on the, this waitress lady to come back so I can finish chatting it up. And there's this group of guys over in the corner and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm not talking to everybody here. Mm -hmm. So I go over and just start up a conversation and they're not in game. This is why they're so awkward around everybody. And I'm like, oh, you're not in games. You know, I'm going to say something I regret in public about uh, nerds in, in tech then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the guys, one of the guys looked like the, uh, the producer from the HBO Silicon Valley show, huh? you know, uh -huh. kind of chubby with the curly hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a shorter, older, uh, Asian fellow, um, you know, who was, had a nice suit on and was, you know, asking very simple questions. Um, there was this lady there. I'm like, wow, this is development. This is HR. This is, I'm picking everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was totally stereotypical too, uh, which is funny, you know, because yeah. everybody just kind of like, I knew who they were and we're talking and they're like, yeah, you're into video games. I'm like, yeah, I've been developing video games several years now. We're doing X, Y, and Z. Uh, I'm just looking out for new opportunities and different things. Right? New opportunities. Come sit down with us. And I'm like, God, waitress is going to come back. You know, I'm talking to her. I'm supposed to be talking to her. But, but we sat down uh, and started talking. And they were trying to figure out a way to use AR for construction. Ooh, uh, yeah. yeah. So this was probably how many years ago? Oh, today. No, 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 you didn't, oh, you, you, you didn't freeze. Uh, you you stopped, stopped to ask a question and I was like waiting on you to bubble on it. Yeah, probably because LiDAR's so new, but there's these sort of shittier mesh-based versions that don't use LiDAR that are still out there that is really useful in Hollywood because it can't, yeah. it's more photo real, but you can't measure. Um, so, well, it had to be within the last three to four years, right? Um, I would say six. Wow. Oh. Six seven, um, and this, um, and this was before this was before the laser part came into. The, oh yeah, well before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so what we were doing was uh, what they wanted to do was basically, it's like, hey, um, what's the difficulty is if we have a situation going on, and they need an expert, we either have to go to some other town, fly the expert in, or we go run to the instruction manuals and flip through as if we know what we're doing and get this problem fixed or we could do like video game tutorials do or i mean they, 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 that was their yeah. 
um, that was their conundrum. And they were looking outside the box for answers. And at the time, I was just giving ideas away to anybody. You know, I was just like, I'm never going to use this idea. Let's yeah. talk. Right. <laughs> um, so we sat down. What was your idea? Well, it was, it was the AR thing. They were like, okay. um, we like the idea of AR and we need to have our manuals in a, you know, we need to have our manuals and our information, you know, available at a touch screen or on a phone or something. And I'm kind of like, you know, you can go farther than that, right? You can, <laughs> you can like actually just put on glasses and have someone look at a gauge and it's, t you know, you input the problems like, uh, pressure's too high, this is that, and da 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 as a first step. Ideally, at some point, you know, you'd have all that information in the system already. But I was basically saying, well, hey, you just look at a, at a gauge and it should tell you, turn this knob first until the needle goes back into the green, then turn this and then click those other two things and then send the power back on or whatever. The AR can walk you through that process like a video game tutorial. And they, they were like, oh, we could do that. It's not just a manual. And I'm like, yeah, in fact, if you're talking to game people, that's probably going to be easier for them than bringing up a bunch of oh, tech yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah. Oh, UX is constantly trying to pull in inspiration from, from game development because mm -hmm. it feels like it's, it's got that blend of not just like, you know, art and science, but also the, the human factors like of, you know, um, how people learn in stages, dribbling out instructions, like uh, having the instructions built into playing the game rather than having you read a manual first, like on and on, like building their skill level up to like, you know, being able to attack a big bad, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, yes, like, yes, there, exactly. there's, there's all these like, like, the, like I was saying about the tech where it changes quickly, but the human factors don't change. Like, you know, there's a reason all movies are still two hours. That's about as long as you can sit without going to the bathroom or eating something. Like, you know, there, yeah. there's these human yeah. factors and like, the tech is catching up so quick where that thing that you described, which sounds truly science fiction, and it is, can be developed now by a team of people using like a TensorFlow plugin from Google with an like, right. And they're opening mm -hmm. API to do some like, you know, doing some basic like uh, computer vision, like recognition of dials and like dialing. Like that, that's, yeah. that's the part that's insane to me. Like when we were going through um, the Y Combinator incubator in 2012, it was right when Instagram had just started blowing up and after the the rumors of them being bought by Facebook had gone through but couldn't be confirmed and we had yeah uh Kevin with the space co um come by and like actually give like a talk the Instagram guy and I remember them being mind-blowing at the time because they had scaled to like I forget how many millions of users and their engineering team was under 12. yeah and that was that's the they they were like a billion dollar acquisition and they they had kept their team down to a one or two pizza team and that's in 2012 and it's only accelerated and so that 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 kind of like using ar to like see things and do things is like such a great example of both the tech is getting faster but also these ideas are like out there and people are hitting their yeah. heads like again again like my my friend um kevin Kecklick, Co i can never say his last name kevin joined and i and i haven't talked to him in ages and when i first joined my first job up in san francisco um, it was as a flash game developer and, uh, he was like the resident flash guru that had gone on to Adobe proper. And I remember he was on like the mobile team and we were thinking of all this stuff mobile was going to do. Yeah. And just like your Sony team, it was like, eh, it never grew about beyond three people, but they were way ahead of their time. A lot of this stuff that's rich interactive apps, they were like 
having this like app store vision yeah. years before it actually happened. He was working with the guy that invented ActionScript, like one of the like original JavaScript dads, like the ECMAScript founder. Um, you know what? I, I met one of the founders of the ActionScript team at a game developers conference, uh, kept in touch with them. They're actually the, the Adobe guys who work in Flash are kind of a nice, small, awesome community. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and that that's the part where the, the that 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 feeling I try to get back to where whether it's looking at Walt at Tomorrowland or these mixers is like try to remember that it's like, oh yeah, actual humans created this. Like when you're not creating it, it's like handed down on a shelf to you. It's been made mm-hmm. by some it's like, you know, when you're a kid and you're just like, you know, like like I was saying, like, oh of course our school is a mainframe. Like, doesn't everybody like you know, yeah. you just sort of like yeah appreciate that it's there's a human being behind these things that are making it. Um, and that, that, that part like gets, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to hang on to it. And I think your, 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 your vibe is uh, along the right track. We all need it. Even though that's deep in the weeds. Absolutely. I am going to put a pin on it and end this. Oh man. How many minutes are you? How how close Uh, am I? I'm going to, and we're, uh, this is now just a great, this has been a great discussion though. Um, I think we covered a lot of good points. Um, and you know, it gives people a lot to think about in terms of where we're going with AR, VR, the metaverse and everything. Um, the only other point that I didn't bring up, I, I, I'll just say it, but I didn't want to go in depth on it at all, um, is that if somebody were to ask me yes or no, I only had those two possible answers. And someone said, are we living in a simulation? I'd say yes. I'd say no. <laughs> there we, and there it is. There it is. <laughs> But lift seals, that's a definitely a nice one we can uncork some other time for. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. So um, is there anything else that you want to add or uh, make sure that uh, people check out um, any last uh, uh, advice, words, whatever? Sure. Um, yeah, like if anyone wants to check out like my, my website, I am actually sort of coming out of the 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 shell a little bit there. My website's alaboot.com. Uh, I'm going to be launching a newsletter soon. Um, like I said, I've been semi-privately blogging with my friends, uh, Pingrino and Hannibal. Um, shout out to them for getting me back on the blogging train. Uh, there, uh, Pinguino's an LA crypto nerd that I think we might love. And both of them would be super interesting people for you to talk to. Uh, Hannibal, um, is a comic book writer and board game creator and stuff. Um, and that's that's my main thing. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be good about uh, carrying the torch that you are too, and start to have more conversations. Um, uh, possibly, you know, um, let's let's just I I don't want to overcommit because I got my startup going on. Uh, if anyone happens to be in construction or AR <laughs> and wants to check out Sitescape, that's on my website too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, thank you for having me. Like this has been really like I've been looking forward to this all week, and it's been awesome, and and it's been. Um, Something that I hope uh, was a was a good conversation to watch for others too. Absolutely. Um, well, thank, and thank you for definitely showing up and uh, having such a good. You know, your notes as you kept sending them, you're like, "Oh, what about this?" I was like, "You know, this yeah. is good. This is I know. a great conversation. I, know. I love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, don't back down." Um, yeah, we're gonna do this again at some point. So, uh, hopefully, in the near future, sometime. But we'll we'll schedule all that out later. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I am absolutely and utterly down for a you, me, Andy, uh, three person thing. In fact, because of my job, I'm coming up to LA like at least every two weeks. There's two 
our, our lead investor has two apartment buildings going up in Venice and they're in two very different stages. And I just made my first visit two weeks ago. And so uh, I'll be up there all the time. I'm scanning for him. I'm up just like Tim Apple. I'm, I'm Al Sightscape. I'm there. I'm his scanner. I'm scanning all shit out of these things. And so when we're up there um, having a three-way conversation about Epcot, Imagineering, and, and everything else, simulations, fine. I'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, you know, I, I looked up the metaverse um, on Instagram, like the actual location. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's in downtown Los Angeles, so <laughs> you're already there. I, I, I'll have to goodness, looked up the metaverse in Instagram, downtown. Oh, man. Oh, man. So I was, I was in a simulation this whole time. Hey, thanks to like a preemptive thanks to anyone that watches this later. And also, uh, Robbie J, man, we got to catch up. Thanks for listening this whole time, man. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, you have a good one. Yeah, you too. Take care. All right. There's a little button down there that you came in on, uh, the plus camera. Use that. You can exit out. I don't see it. I see the big X up top. I'm going to hit that. Here we go. All right, go ahead. You're fine. <laughs> yep. There's always a little bit of uh, something when people leave out of this because no one's doing Instagram lives like this and we're having fun here. Uh, definitely want to thank everybody who joined in. Listen, I do these types of discussions about once a week, but I am here most nights talking noise about something. Um, tomorrow, we're going to have our weekly show versus business informal discussion with Dio, my man from, from college. We always talk about the commerce and the creative side of things and Thursday, we'll probably be chilling out, just not doing much of anything except breathing in, breathing out, uh, thinking about whether we're simulated beings or not. So uh, that's it for this one. As I said, uh, follow me on um, follow me on any of the podcast streams. At some point, the selections from this get sent out to the podcast stream so you can listen on Apple Podcast, uh, Google Podcast, Amazon, Pandora, et cetera, et cetera. Spotify seems to be the happening place now for podcasts. Any of those. It's all good. Find me. We'll have a discussion and we'll talk it out. Thanks again. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbinja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right. I'll see you next time. Peace.